Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. I'm Neil Johnson. I directed Rogue Warrior and The Time War, and I crucified Adolf Hitler. This is Dominic Burns, the director of Allies. Hi, I'm Eric England, the director of Contracted. Hi, I'm Baker Amador, the writer-director of The Asian. Hi, this is David L.G. Hughes. Writer-director of the film Hallball Suites. This is Anthony Alex from the Angry Mailman podcast. Hello, Stuart. Just a quick hello from Sarah Douglas. Hi, everybody. This is Moali, the director of Montana. Hey, guys. This is Ace Marrero from the movie Madison County. The From Page to Screen moviecast. Right. Just leave that running and we can just... I'm just going to get this cable... Organized. Mm-hmm. Okay. Should work, shouldn't it? Turn up your level a bit more. Yeah. That microphone, I always had the thought, right, I'm going to do the solo shows, and when I go out and about, I'm going to use it. I've never bothered using it because I always end up doing it another way. Yeah. What'd you pay for it? 25 quid. Oh, I paid a thousand for mine. Yeah, it doesn't no, surprise me. US <laughs> pounds, yeah, it's probably a yeah, thousand pounds, yeah. Somebody was chatting to me last night about podcasting, and he said, oh, I, what do you use for this thing to, to put your uh, posts on Facebook? Oh, it's just something to do WordPress. Went, How much was it? I'm like, I don't pay for stuff like that. I'm still in the budget. Hmm. It's the free thing that's within WordPress. Just watch your hand there. Yeah, because it's thumping against it. Okay, I think we're good. Yeah. I think the only money I've ever spent on podcasting other than buying PCs and stuff is the recording software. Oh, yeah. But, but this is okay. Much it, so. so we are recording. Check one, two. Yeah. Give me a level. Level? Do another level? Or is that fine? Give me a bit more. You can also have echo, too. Hang on. Make sure I just I was not turning up your echo button. <laughs> That's fine. That, yeah, I've had that for about a year. switch. I never use it. Yeah. So the trick is to face your head that way a bit. Okay. Yeah. All right. I got that way a bit. Okay. So there you go. It's kind of weird because this, do you, the fact you're on a podcast, do you still need a shout out or, because that's like a tradition now <laughs> when Neil gets a shout out, Tracy gets a shout could out you, on a podcast. Could you randomly give me one in the middle? I could. I'll just try and just like <laughs> throw in a random shout just out. Throw it in. I think I even did it last week when we were talking about Alistair 1918 on the podcast. Yeah, I still yeah, managed yeah. to get... Yeah, I so that. there was a film about a World War One soldier. <laughs> Somehow you still got a shout-out in that yes. award on it. Yes. So that was a fun oh, that podcast. Was good. I that was a great... I've got to see that film. So should we start? Um, yes, we've started. Oh, okay. We've yeah. begun. Yeah. Because um, I wasn't going to podcast last week because I have a, an episode, which I think I'd already uploaded, which was the Star Wars characters Q&A that I did in Wales that went up the same week. I think that went up on the Thursday. And then I got a message from Guy, who was the main star in Alistair 1918, and he went, oh, we're still podcasting on the 27th. I'm like, oh, I guess so. Wow. Kind of forgot we're going to do that, but yes, we're still podcasting. So I recorded that and then uploaded that one. So it was like two in a week. See, I, I, f- I found that Star Wars episode, the, you know, those... The character one. The character one, very interesting. Yeah. Because 
you know, if I'm a guy sniffing around, I see all the Star Wars characters, I'd probably listen to that one first. Mm. You know, so I, I would say over the years, you'll see that one become a little more popular. And that was fun. It was weird because I get this real surreal thing. Even when I hear some of the stories you tell me, and I'm like, that's really bizarre. Or we've just been looking at the the wall of fame yes and there's a Christmas card from Sarah Douglas and I'm like if I could go back in time and tell the 10 year old me by the way at some point in the future the villain in Superman you can send you a Christmas card they'd be like get out of it no no way so, so do you ever get that surreal thing if um, you went back to young Neil Johnson and mm-hmm. said here's some of the people you'll meet here's some of the things you'll do do you think you'd have believed yourself at that time or you'd be like holy shit no way probably would have <laughs> really Oh, hang on. We just lost some audio there. So sorry. Because we're recording this live. Okay. All right. Sorry, sorry. I bumped the cable. Yeah, so if I went back in time and spoke to myself, you know, I I think I probably would have gone, yeah, yeah. Um, And the reason I say that is I was born with a sense of... And actually, that's 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 the, you know, the, the young ego crap that you're born with oh I'm going to be a millionaire I'm going to have this and that and everything else one day and one day I'll be on the you know doing this and that because you all dream about stuff at least I did so it, it, does, it doesn't surprise me much when I um, end up working with someone famous mm-hmm. I, I, it's funny I, I learned a very good lesson about that in, uh, in my younger days I was a camera assistant in Brisbane Australia and these um there was these horrible television commercials on TV, you know, these really low-end, bad TV ads. And I was at this, uh, talking to this director, his name was Andrew, he's a nice guy, actually. And I said to him, oh, you know, those commercials on TV, you know, those sale commercials about this, this, and this, they're terrible, aren't they? Uh-huh. And he looked at me and said, well, I made those. <laughs> yeah, I knew that was coming. And I thought, oh, no. And that was my lesson. You know, it's like, you know, here's the thing. Three years later... You were I got, giving them. <laughs> I, 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 not only did I do them, I won an award for them. Nice. Brilliant. So, you know, my first award, um, you know, for best low-budget low or best sale commercial, basically. So, you know, it's... it's You learn very quickly. And, and you know, again, you know, I was seeing this this famous um, comedian on television called Cole Elliott. You know, I thought, Who, who's this guy? He's weird. You know, I was British. I didn't relate to Australian people much. And then five years later, I was working with him, you know, and he became one of my, my dearest friends. Um, and, it, you know, it, it's because of what I did, you know, at the age of eight, uh, 16, 17, or I did film school at 17. Uh, you just do television. You start to see famous people. It's just how it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it's you just grow up with it. And uh I, I guess I've, I've forgotten how impressed I would be. But you see, the one thing when I was a kid was, um, you know, and I, I talk about this now because I can, um, but, you know, there was this guy next door to my house who would, he was a little dirty. Mm-hmm. Let's just say he was, he liked little boys and he was into me a lot. And, you know, this is between the ages of six and ten. So I spent my formative years as, a, you know, I just moved to Australia from England and I spent my years trying to avoid this douchebag who was trying to play with me mm. and do dirty things. Um, you know, incidentally, I've noticed his brother has grown up to be a defender of um, 
uh, you know, public defender of, of people who are you know sexually harassed. So there must be something in the family there, obviously. But um, this guy would just you know do the stuff, and so I would hide from him all the time. And I, because I, I, my life was a little bit odd, I didn't really belong in Australia because I was this little British boy. You know, I had. <laughs> Doc grew up in Doctor Who and, and Thunderbirds yeah. and stuff. So I, I was I had to live in a dream world because I didn't really fit in. And I ended up building spaceships and uh, having adventures on spaceships and having this great you know time. And it's the only thing that made my life bearable, trying to avoid this douchebag. And, you know, I, I, I still do the same now. I, I'm still happy when I build my own spaceship. And, and uh, though it's nicer when other people build it for you. Yeah. Yeah, you know that's Here, a, here's some money. Go build a spaceship. Like, thank you. I'll go build one there. Yeah, yeah. But but you know that that was it. You know, I was all about having space adventures and uh, traveling through time. Mm. <laughs> the two things I was doing, and I, I was always building these little. Um, I'd go into the downstairs bathroom and I would put in these flashing lights and put a tape recorder inside and sound effects. And you know, I had um, the neighbor's kid ready with a dinosaur claw and stuff. So I bring my sister and said, we're going to travel through time. And the lights flashed and weird noises everywhere in stereo, of course. Oh, of course. And, um, you know, all this stuff happened and we're in another time. Be careful. You know, there's dinosaurs outside. And all of a sudden you hear this, and this claw would come in and attack people. And my sister freaked out because she thought we really traveled through time. So that was my, my way of... <laughs> entertaining myself you know so. do you think kids are like that now because I you see on buses and stuff and I don't generally I'm not in houses where I see children playing but I remember when I was a kid I'd be out in the backyard big piles of sand there with Star Wars figures and that was my Tatooine or oh, I'd yeah, buy me a too. polystyrene packaging and that would be my Hoth base and I'd be playing with figures do you think kids do that now, or is it all touch screens everywhere? I think now. Well, I, it seems I, to be. I, you still see toys in the shops, though. You do. It's just more interactive toys now. I mean, I went into this. I, okay, I'm, I, we're in England at the moment, and I went into this store in Morley called Blue Harvest, which is a Star Wars toy store. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good name. Yeah. It's not nice that they just have one around the corner from where I live. Mm. And I walked in there, and, and there was this gigantic Millennium Falcon toy. It's the legendary, the Legends Millennium Falcon toy, and it, you push buttons, and it, it's lines from the films. And this thing is huge, and it's better than the one I ever had as a kid. And I look at this, and I thought, my God, if I had that as a kid. So, and it's just fully interactive. It's fully interactive. It's got all the sound effects and lights up. So, you know, I, I, I think, obviously, you know, they're selling. Yeah. Kids are buying them. Adults are buying them, too. So, um, yeah, I, I, th I think kids are still, you know, some of them are still being physical. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know what that's going to mean in the future. But, you know, there's something nice about touching a real prop yeah. and being on a real set. You know, um, it's, you know, it's something real about that and something tangible. And you can tell... And this is the thing. I mean, I'll jump ahead a bit. I did a film in uh, 2012, region 2013, called Starship Rising and Starship Apocalypse. Yeah, they're over there on DVD. I see yeah, them. Out now. I, I don't even have <laughs> copies. <laughs> but I, I, I made these films and, um, I, 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 you know, it, it really gets slammed a lot in the press. And I mean, that's fine. You know, people want to talk crap about me. That's okay. But I mean... Um, uh, you know, if you step back to w w what was happening in my life, you know, I'd done a couple of films and I did a film called Humanity's End, which is a big Star Wars type thing, and people loved. And I wanted to get back to science fiction. And of course, we had to 
up the budget and up the production level dramatically, and there's no, no way I could do it on a budget. And um, then, you know, I had a lot of really bad things happen. My best friend passed away, and uh, um, he was producing the film with me, Phil Bertham, and he died. And then I, uh, my visa got revoked in the US, and they actually uh, were about to shoot the film, well, you know, three months away, and I got kicked out of the country. And I had a warehouse, big giant warehouse set up and, you know, this and that and everything else. And, I mean, it cost me a ton of money to get back in the country and, and months of, you know, effort. Next minute, oh, we've got to shoot the film. So I, the set had been sitting half-built for, like, three months. And I was planning to have a second set on top and all this stuff. And it was going to be all physical and there's no way I could do the film. There was absolutely no way I could pull it off in the time period because, you know, money was running out and everything's running out. So... Um, I had to find a solution and we shot pretty much most of the film on green screen, you know, and I was so scared of being arrested because I'd, I'd actually been thrown in jail um, for a couple of days in the Twin Towers in Los Angeles yeah. because they didn't like my visa and they didn't know what to do with me. To lock you up, that's so. Well, yeah, but it was great. I got a free flight back to England. All right, okay. You know, which is good. But they said, come back on this visa. You're not charged, but we're going to throw you in prison anyway for a few days. It's, I mean, it's horrible. So I'd rather you didn't. I'd rather didn't throw me in jail. Yeah, well, they just... They were so, conf- they were so, so confused about me that they... Um, they... Uh, I don't know. They didn't know what to do with me. You know, this is the problem. So that sort of happened, and I was just terrified. I wanted to shoot in location. I, I'd, you know, America's interesting and weird. It's, it's a, it's, it, they like to put people in jail there, and it's a police state. And, you know, I mean... Look at the figures on this. It's a great country, but they're really into putting people in jail. And more people in jail per head of population in the U.S. than anywhere else in the world. So, you know, those are the facts. And the places I wanted to shoot were close to the border. And, of course, there's Border Patrol people all the time, and there's, you know, there's a checkpoint and everything. I mean, I'd been picked up at a checkpoint once before and uh, because, you know, they sat... This is back in 2005 or six. They set me and my girlfriend at the time down for an hour, uh, two hours, and just grilled us, like interrogated us, and it was it was so weird. And it, it came down to the fact that they thought she was really good looking, and they wanted to hang out with her. Why didn't you just say that? I, I know, but <laughs> it's they, so much they, were, they were asking so many questions, and I mean, it was weird. You know, you're just driving along next to me, you're interrogated, and you know, put her off, ever off ever returning to the US ever again. Um, but it was one of those things because she was Swiss and she had an Australian passport and it was confusing. So, you know, we, we dealt with all this stuff and I was like, my God, if I go out shooting right now, I'm going to get arrested and deported for sure. And I, I couldn't go on location. I, I, was, I really felt trapped, you know. Um, so we ended up shooting the whole film on green screen, which, you know, in 4K resolution and, and finishing in 4K, which is a feat in itself. And it was really hard to do. And I mean... You know, t- couple that with, you know, massive cast of actors and, you know, some of which weren't the best actors and some were good actors and some were, you know, there's all sorts of dramas going on. And this wonderful actress in the film was, um, you know, I won't name her, but she's a really good actress, but she's really sick that, you know, and she was, yeah, I mean, really badly sick. And she did, she was there every day and doing a great job. And then there's this other actress who was just end up not being a great actress. And she was like, oh, I'm sick. I can't come in today. I have the flu. And, you know, she just wanted attention. I mean, it was so obvious. And I had to sit there and ask, like, every day to her. 
Um, then we had this actor turn up. I mean, you know, they're just giving me all the stories. This actor guy turns up. Um, I, mean, I don't know if I should... Can I, <laughs> can I name him? You can, if you want to name him, you can uh, name him. I mean, you know, God bless the guy. You know, he made it all public, so I'll name His name is Frankie Ray, and he was going to be the big bad guy in the film, and he's going to be this Darth Vader character and stuff. So he, tur- he turned up on set, and, uh, you know... Yeah, I kind of like the guy. I thought he was cool. He had his own costuming and everything. It was really cool. He looked like Dracula sort of thing. He had a really nice look about him. And, and he turned up and he was... Uh, he came with a bit of attitude, which, you know, it's okay. You need a bit of a healthy ego. But, you know, we had some good actors in this film and a couple of famous people, sort of famous. So he turned up on set and he brought his own uh, chair with his name on it. Yeah. Frankie Rand. It wasn't just a regular director's chair. It was a high chair very very opulent chair nobody else had chairs like this and then he brought his girlfriend on set I thought okay he needs support brought his dog and the dog had really bad diarrhea so the dog was pooping everywhere outside (laughs) but you know he was just being a bit of a douche and you know he had this weird attitude going and then he um, the first things he did he had to do a scene opposite um, this actress wonderful Raja um, Raja Barudi her name was Playing uh, um, Zarina uh, in, in the film, anyway. So you had to do the scene where they were like being romantic, and I always do the romance scenes up front, the yeah. kissy scenes, because it's nicer. And um, is that like so that way you've not got actors or actresses going, oh, I've got to do that romance. You get it over and like, get over and done with exactly. and else. Well, it was kind of a creepy one because it was his daughter. <laughs> you know, oh, it was an incesty scene, so you know. Yeah. And they also had to slap each other or something, or fake slap each other, and. He was like, well, I've, I've got my um, my mints for my romance scene. <laughs> and it's like, oh, come on, dude. Just, just <laughs> don't don't overdo it, you know? And he, he didn't have the best breath. <laughs> he, he obviously ate garlic the night before. So it's, it's like, come on, you know, just don't do this to me. Be, be a little bit, you know, cool about it and professional. And he was being all funny about it. And um, he actually... He, you know, he, he said, oh, I'm trained to do, you know, I can do a fake slap and everything. And he, he, he tried to do a fake slap and he caught her. I was like, you, come on, dude, this ain't good. And she had some surgery on her face, you know, not surgery. She, she'd had a jaw surgery or something, you know. So it's not cool, you know. And, I mean, it, it was on green screen. You can distance it really easily. He was like, okay. So she ended up catching him on the nose on the next next take. Good. <laughs> equals it. Yeah, but because he, he, he claimed he was professional and you know he wasn't. He just he was a douchebag, you know. And I, it's it's sad because I like the guy, but he was just you know. But here's the thing: and in the you know, this is how you know when you got a bad, a crazy actor. He'd come on set you know, and the audition. He said, "Well, yes, I was talking to Arnold Schwarzenegger on the set of End of Days, and I said, blah 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 blah." And he was name-dropping all these famous actors. Yeah. So I thought, really, you know, oh, wow, how cool. I didn't think twice, you know, I assume he was telling the truth. You check his IMDb, uncredited extra yeah. <laughs> on everything, you know. So he, he'd done very, very little stuff. And I was like, seriously, dude, you know, you, you don't have to pull that with me. You know, it's, Google is your friend. You'll, you'll figure it out. You know, you don't have to name-drop to people. No. So, you know, it was one thing after another. And then he... Um, 
Uh, and then he claimed he had a bleeding nose from it. So he's running around like a maniac. I need a tissue. I need a tissue. <laughs> you know. Well, she doesn't while need the, a tissue and you just smacked her one in the face. While the dog's That's pooping fine. everywhere. Yeah. And, you know. <laughs> I'll get you a tissue. The girlfriend's you hanging around on set being a little. Well, and the girlfriend was fine. But, you know, it was just going crazy. It was the biggest, this whole little dance song and dance. And then he pulled me outside and said, look, um, I know we've got to shoot next Monday, but I've been offered a Geico commercial. And it pays a lot of money. No. And it's like, seriously, dude, you, you do know you're under contract. Yes, well, my my commercial agent didn't say I was under contract. Thankfully, then his agent turns up. But they, you know, the acting agent, she turned up and she said, excuse me? said, you've got another booking on Monday? said, no, you're not doing it. It was $2,000. Tough. You're busy. Okay, if, if for three seconds on screen. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it's, she, she was like, she, she's a lawyer. Cindy, she's a wonderful chick. She was getting pissed. She said, I'm going to fucking sort. You know, she was ready to, you know. Um, she, she was getting angry at this guy, too. It wasn't just me. And, uh, you know, so I just looked around and thought, you know, after this and this and this and this and the fake bleeding nose, because there was no blood. I mean, come on. Mm. We know there was, you know, he's just been a little prima donna. <laughs> I thought, I don't need this guy on set. He's, made no, he's, he's, he's not making anyone happy. He's pissing everybody off. So I just pulled him outside and said, look, dude, I had Mike, Michael Martin, who was in the film as well, and he doubles as my security because he's a trained ninja. You know, he really is. Wow. He's seventh Dan, something, something. He's amazing. Taekwondo, eighth Dan, I think he's. Anyway, so I said, look, it's time to leave. You know, I'm sorry, but, you know, you go do the commercial. That's fine. We'll, we'll recast the role. You know, it's very polite, but very firm because, you know, this is the rule. Somebody's an idiot. Get rid of them really quickly. Yeah, yeah. So I, um, I, I, you know, I fired him, and then this is what he did. He, he, um, standing outside, and he turned away, and he pinched his nose, nose, and he turned back, and he was crying. Oh no! But it's a fake. You know, it's the yeah. first trick to make yourself cry. You pinched your nose, oh, no. and, and he, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm not crying for you. I, I, I'm crying for the the system that messes up. People like you, that you know the whole system. I'm not, you know, and he, was, he put on these fake tears and like out of apology. I said, okay, nice note. Okay, now fuck yeah. off. Bye bye. <laughs> Get out. Sorry, I shouldn't swear. Um, and uh, he, he was, he, he just couldn't fake it. And then he was hanging around for the next hour, pretending to cry in, in the van while we all watched him. And it's like. Dude, you are such a douchebag. So just move on. Just, just yeah. go. You know, I, this was the role of his lifetime. Okay, saw the commercial. He was on on camera for about three seconds on this commercial. You know, and then he was all on Facebook. Oh, I don't know if I did the right thing or not. Blah blah blah. And all these people on Facebook said, "You're an idiot." <laughs> you, you know, and the thing is, he would have been on the movie posters, two films. Mm-hmm. You know, released worldwide and all this stuff just because he had some attitude going. You know, and it's such a pity. So, you know, in the middle of the film, we had to figure out who the, who the bad guy, who the Darth Vader was, the overseer. The, and I, I got another actor in, mm-hmm. and um, he was a really nice guy. He was a famous makeup artist, and he was a really sweet guy and wonderful. And, but he, he never really acted properly, you know, and this, this needed some eloquence. This needed, you need to enunciate and, and everything. And sadly, you couldn't say the words. And I mean, we spent a day shooting with him, and it just it just wasn't working. So I, I let him go. But he, you know, he's a sweet guy. I end up, you know, we've actually shot some extra scenes with him, which will be on the the director's cut version one day. You know, I suppose but, that's the thing, isn't it? Just because somebody's not right, 
for that role doesn't mean they're not right. Yeah. It's just, do you find that where you go, well, you're, you don't fit for that role, however, I've got this other thing that you'd be absolutely perfect for. Yeah. So a lot of it's like that, I think. Well, he would have been a good biker character or something, you know. He, he, was, he was in a lot of the Sons of Anarchy and stuff. It, yeah. just, it just, just didn't work, and I was so upset. So, you know, imagine in the middle of your film having to deal with all these crazy people and having to hide and do this and that, and then you make the film and, you know, it, it's, it turned out the way it did. I just, it was such a ham way of making a movie because you, you know, it's, it's two movies, basically. It's two films. And you, you might shoot scene one of film two, day one, and then, you know, it, it's all over the place. And it was such a hard thing to do. I'm surprised it turned out as good as it did, to be honest. But it was just one of those things. And then the post-production side of it, it just took too long. You know, and it's like, it took me two years to get the first one done. And I had to race the second one out the door because I was basically threatened by the, um, um, well, both of them. I was threatened by the uh, distributors. If you don't release this film um, and do it the right way, you know, get it in our hands by such and such a date, your career's over. So, you know, I had this film that was like, epically this and that and I mean needed another year and I literally had to throw it at them and say here it is please please take it and you know did you listen to the podcast that I did where it was it was me John Fouts and Stu Miller and it was how we would run a film studio yes that that rings back to that it's like if, if, if you're under my film studio which doesn't exist unfortunately but if you're under that I'd be like just let me know when the film's ready I, I would yeah. rather have it done right than going quick we need it tomorrow I get why they need it tomorrow or the day after yeah because there's a lot of the parts to it there's so much like, to it you know and then it's mad it's like give me the film when it's ready it's like video games that's another one release it now it can work yeah but if we wait six months people get annoyed People are going to get more annoyed if it doesn't work, or exactly. it's not as good as it can be. Well, you, you can't win whatever you do, and I mean, it's it's such a business. Oh, the microphone dropped out. That's right. I'll just fix that. It's such a business of numbers, um, you know. And it's uh, like the the one thing I had with Rogue Warrior is, you know, my sales agent has been wonderful to me. He just said, "Look, when it's done, it's done. Yeah, <laughs> and that's it. I'm, I'm not going to do anything until you finish the film and you hand it to me." So thank God. But unfortunately, I took a year and a half to finish it. It should have been done in six months. Mm. It took me an extra year. Because he said that to me, and I was, like, I was looking at it going, hmm, uh, I'm, I'm so haunted with this, all, the, all the Starship stuff, you know. Um, I didn't want this to be the same film. Because, you know, after doing all that green screen, you go crazy. You go stir crazy. I mean, I went stir crazy. I don't want any green screen in Rogue Warrior. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. There's a couple of bits. The mm. things you wouldn't expect. There's a couple of scenes you go, oh, that's green screen. I would never have known. I can't pick it. And then you get other people going, that's the green screen bit. Like, Actually, that's not. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's just how it is. You know, it's, you know, we had to reshoot this and that. And, and the reason we just decided to reshoot was not because of the Rogue One Star Wars reasons. I mean, you know, it's people say, oh, oh the film's in trouble because you've got reshoots. It's, no, it's, 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 it's fair to use the word standard. It's, it's more common than people think. It is. A reshoot. It's a lot of the main. You just, sometimes you don't hear about them. Well, I reshot three quarters of the film. And it's, it's nothing wrong with the rest of the film. It was just, you know, you've got to put your best foot forward. And there's a form of writing you do, you know, um, in the edit room. And you see, a lot of weird things happen in that too, you know. I mean, we had this wonderful actress, you know, I shouldn't mention her name. Um, but, you know, she was slightly famous and she had been in the film a bit. And, uh, um, 
you know, it was, uh, we had to reshoot a scene. And all I needed her was for half a day. <clears throat> she wouldn't respond to any emails or any, any messages, nothing. No Facebook messages. She just, she became a born-again Christian and, of course, being associated with anything that's not, not um, blessed with the, the magic of Jesus, unfortunately, is, is nothing she can be associated with. There's no devil worship in real Korea. No, there <laughs> there's really, yeah. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> robot worship. Yeah, but, but you know, it's you not know. like the exorcist or anything, is it? I mean, it's, and it's, you know, but it's not a big deal. But, you know, your, your reputation as a human being then, you know, is, is kind of sullied by this, this Jesus stuff. So, yeah. um, you know, then that caused all sorts of dramas and you end up, you know, having to reshoot many, many scenes because of that one little person doesn't want to play, play with you again. Um, so, you know, it, a, a lot of the problems you end up having on film sets comes down to the, uh, uh, what's the word? The, um, flat of politics. Yeah. The, the actors, you know, especially on the low level stuff, you know, when you're being paid good money, um, for sure, you know, you, you, you know, you can threaten them with legal stuff. And I mean, I, I like, you know, I, I would love to threaten people, um, legally, but I can't cause we're paying no money and, and, or very little money for films. And, and, uh, you know, it's it's always 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 the problems you're dealing with all the time, and it's you know it's just 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 games. It's just games all the way through. And, and honestly, I've been so beaten up with some of the actors I've worked with. But you know what I've learned, and this is, this is my gripe. You know, yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, there's, I, I do do direct this at certain actors uh, who I have worked with. Um, certain actors, you know. Um, you know, they, they, they'll, they'll be professional in this and that, and they'll all come on board with this and that. And then one day, you know, if they've got a gripe with you, they don't tell you. They just bottle it up inside. And, I mean, you know, tell me to my face, because, you know, if, you, if I've done something wrong, you tell me. You can fix it then. Yeah, like, you know. yeah, it was just like, you know, let's all educate each other. But they'll, they'll bottle up inside, and they'll never tell you. And then one day, they'll explode on you. Um, and usually they'll explode on you because their performance wasn't good enough. Uh, in the sense that, okay, they're well-trained and they do everything, but their performance wasn't where it should be. And it comes down to this, you know, ego reasons and whatever it is. Actors' egos get in the way of their performance so many times. And, you know, I, I can't act, so I don't have the right to, to criticize or judge an actor. But their egos will get in the way so much that they'll, you know, they'll blame everyone else for the, all the problems. Yeah. And, and yet they'll... Um, you know that they are their own worst enemy and you see this time and time again you know actors will actually sabotage their careers you know because they don't they don't you know when they suddenly get the role they want or the, the big role they won't put the effort in they'll suddenly go oh well i can't do it i can't say these words or i can't do this or i i have to do it with an american accent and even though i've asked for a british accent and they're british you know, because they, they, they want to be seen as a, an American actor. And it's like, come on, douche. Just just get on with the business, you know. You know, just do your job. And be a professional. And then be thankful that you've been put on television and this and that. And somebody's given you an opportunity and trusted you to be in a film. But the, the egos will get in the way. Now, here's another one. Here's another Starship horror story. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm okay to name names on this. Yeah, it's okay. totally up to you. Oh, I, I mean, I well, okay. Now we have the um, Brooke Lewis is in the film. Yeah, and she's wonderful. She and was the one that was Brooke, and I remember many just tangents in slightly. But Brooke was one of the very first guests at Island Podcast. Yeah, she was great. Since then, keep in touch now and again, usually through social media, but now and again in email, and she'll send me a press releases to like close lines and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and I remember years ago she'd said. 
I know this British filmmaker called Neil Johnson. I'll put you two guys in touch. Oh, and yeah. I think she did, but for some reason, we just never right. carried on emailing or, or anything like that. And then it was when we did start speaking, I'm like, oh, yeah, Brooke, years ago mentioned your name. And it was, well, that's why I started listening to the show. Mm. He was like, oh. Mm, and that was why I picked up Starship. This guy sounds Scottish, but he's in England. Yeah, with weird, crappy accents. I'm Mongol. <laughs> and it was because Brooke was in Starship that I picked the films up. And yeah. And so on. So, yeah, Brooke. Well, she, she, she was on camera with this other actress. Uh, I, I don't think I'll let name her. Um, but she was famous for some time travel movie or something. I don't know. Anyway. Hmm. Um, and, then, you know, they're, they're both great actresses. But, my God, there was some tension there. I don't um, know who that is, actually, because I can remember watching the film. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Watch it later on. You know. Um, Buy the DVD and you can work out that clue for yourself. But, yeah. but it was so weird. Um and I don't know why they end up looking like each other because they don't look like each other at all. But no. once the hair was done, and everything, <laughs> oh, they look very similar to each other, which I thought was kind of cool because this is the junior version, this is the senior mm. version, that you know. And um, she, uh, the, the 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 other actress, was giving Brooke a really hard time, like you know, lecturing her on how to act and stuff. And it's like, you know, it was really rude of her to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and uh, she was just. You know, it was. I, I don't know where, where her head head was at to be doing that on on, on somebody's set, but uh, you know, it's it, it. Brooke, I mean, poor Brooke was. I say almost in tears at one point because she was like trying to hold it in. But you know, she did a great job. Yeah, she, she she had to learn how to fly the Starship and do this and that. Meanwhile, you know, they both did a great job. Mm-hmm. You know, they're both you know amazing actresses. But it, it's just un, uncalled for when when you know there's a pecking order going on and there really shouldn't be because you know when you deal with here's the thing when you deal with successful professionals who are really established they don't do this and that's the difference between all these douchebaggy actors they, they get all emotional they get all you know um, egotistical and they do this and that and then you realize why they're not working anymore or you know and that's what happens it's because they, they sabotage themselves by, by this attitude and um, you know I, I've just seen it time and time again you know you um, you know, here's another good one. I did a film called Death Machine, and I uh, had this this actress in the film. Um, you know, just did a one day thing, and so I came around to trying to pay her. You know, because we, we I put them everyone on the back end. So finally, the money came in for Death Machine. Actually, it still doesn't paid paid any dividends to me, but I paid off all the actors. So I decided I would, you know, I'd pay off the all the actors in one hit. You know, out of my own pocket just to get them, you know, get them happy because it's taken so long. And this one actress, she's just, she was so over the film, um, you know, because she deserved better in, in her career. She wouldn't even correspond with me. She ignored it. Didn't want your money. I, just, I was giving her <laughs> Don't money. Don't want it. Don't want your money. It was just why she wouldn't even respond. Cause, and I, I, said, I said to one of the producers, oh, what's come, why, why she, I don't know, she's got some attitude. She, she just wants to distance herself from everything low budget. But she hasn't done anything else. <laughs> yeah. And I'm looking at her performance in the film and it's, it's okay. Mm. It's not great. You know, the, the, the other actresses are way above her, honestly. But it's like, you know, you come on with the attitude. Then there's this other actress in the film who was super sweet. I gave her a, I gave her a bonus for being nice, you know. And it's, you know, it, it's, it's all you got to do is be a little bit nice and you get more, you know. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's, 
there's one, you know, there's that, that girl I'll, I'll rehire because she was nice. This girl, she'll never get she another job, but she'll never get a job anywhere because her attitude has gotten so bad that she can't get cast in things, you know. And, and that's how you see, you'll see some of the actors in my films go into greatness yeah. and do more films, you know, like, like the Brooke Lewis's of the world. Um, and then you'll see other actors who, are, you know, I can't name, um, who do my films. Once. <laughs> or do a few of them even, yeah. or once or one day. And they go nowhere. And you can tell straight away it's their attitude, you know, it's their mental attitude, it's their mental state. They've, they've got some sort of belief that somehow um, being in one of my films is going to make them Tom Cruise or, or you know, Kate Blanchett or something. Yeah. And, of course, when they don't get that, they're devastated. And it's got nothing to do with anything except, you know, sometimes a film works. It's, it's rolling a dice. You know, I can't predict how good a film's going to turn out or not. You know, I don't know. I just You just do your best. And you try your best, and it's, you know, I, I'm so beaten up by these people. And yeah, I just say, I'm done. You know, I, I don't talk to them. Um, I, I, you know, I, I'm glad I don't need to talk to them. But you know, you, you just hold it in your heart that maybe, you know, that they. Um, I, I end up being the the testing point for a lot of people. You know, if they come out of my films with you know a, a nice attitude intact, you can tell they'll go on to work on bigger films and better films. They come out of my films and they were just a complete problem on set. They'll never do anything ever again. It's always the same way. Yeah. And that's how you tell the professionals, you know, and it's, 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 absolutely, it's absolutely horrifying. Oh, there goes the microphone again, sorry. I don't know what that is. It's actually absolutely horrifying that some of these actors... Sorry, I have a noise okay. in this microphone. I'm terribly sorry about lead, lead a minute. Technical, at least technical issues just aren't Skype-based. Yeah, we, we tried to do this in a very clever way. <laughs> Definitely a unique way. No green screen, though. I'm not sure. It's you. That's your microphone. Sorry. Yeah, it's mine. This is this is this is the break of this. <laughs> this is this the adverb break. Yeah, so which you'll probably not even be edited out anyway. Because yeah, we can go talk to our sponsors if you want. We could have we got any sponsors? I think you're the sponsor. So we could have talked about your movies and given this your shout out. Oh, it means I've got to pay money at the end of this. Oh, boy. <laughs> no, not really. You can't get it. Because you get it back because you're talking about your own oh, product. Good so, point. Yeah, so yeah, you yeah. put the money in, but then you get it back out oh, yes, yeah, because you're in it. You should, so. get, you should get directors and producers to, you know. I should get something, yeah. You should. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I would. Fund these on me. I would pay money to be on your podcast. But it's too late. It's too late now. Yeah, I'll get you to sign a DVD after that. Will be the payment. Okay, you can sell it. I'll just, I just won't. I won't personalise it. Well, let's do two. We can sell one. Yeah, that'll work. You'll make a buck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, what were we talking about? I have no idea. I'm just rambling. I think you'll probably find that when people are listening back to this, there'll be some random advert stuck in the middle, and now we're back. So who knows what the hell we're talking about? Um, just actors going on to different things and yeah. all attitudes of actors. And you see, I, I love actors. Yeah. You know, I, I love working with actors. It, it's, you know, it, it's a real pleasure. Um, it's just one of those things that, you know, sometimes you encounter crazy people and, and there seems to be a lot of them in Los Angeles. There seems to be a few of them in England too, I guess. Let's guess it's everywhere you yeah, go. Yeah, there's a lot of crazy people. I think I've only encountered maybe four or five crazy actor slash filmmakers in the UK which is not bad because I encounter a lot of them how crazy were they? crazy uh, there was a producer who was friends with two filmmakers whose films I was a fan of mm-hmm. and he fell out with them but I didn't fall out with them because they'd not done anything to me and I'd not fallen out with him either but he then fell out with me because I was still speaking to these two filmmakers so he at one point he would send me press releases and screeners and posters and all sorts a really nice guy 
And then because I was still speaking to these other two filmmakers, he went, sorry, I can't speak to you anymore. I hope you understand. I'm like, mm, not really. I'm still publicising your film. Still publicising it. So therefore I just stopped mentioning him to the level now where I still get press releases through connected with his films from a, from a PR company. And there's usually a big chunk of text going, oh, producer such and such says... Right, just delete that big paragraph out. So I'll still publicise the movies because yeah. it's not just him that's in the movies. He shot himself like, in the foot. Shot himself in the foot. There was another actor who I was due to do an interview with in London at one of the Comic Cons at Press Pass. I think probably heard this story before, where I was maybe 50, 60 feet off trying to take a picture, kept covering his face up. And I'm like, oh, I, th- I figured it initially it was just me getting a bad shot and he just had to do that. And I thought I'd take another one. And eventually he's like this. And I've still got the photo and it will be in the Comic Con <laughs> documentary because you can't recognise who it is. And he pretty much said, if you want a picture, you've got to pay £20. Is it someone famous? Pretty much. I could name films that he was in, which I'll do after. Um, Go on, tell me He was one. in Cliffhanger. Oh, it's not Sylvester Stallone. No, no, it's what? not Stallone. No, no, Stallone. I got my own Stallone story <laughs> where I wrote off and went, I'd like to be the photographer on Rambo, please. Weirdly enough, I never, never got that. But I did get a phone call from his publicity people who had a very nice chat with me. But I thought, I'll do it. I'll do it for free. Just let me be a stills photographer on your yeah. side. That'll do. Um, but I don't know. Now, it was a, a British guy mm-hmm. that was in Cliffhanger. Hmm. And I'm like, well, I'm press and I'm here. I'm supposed to be interviewing you like half an hour to help publicise the film that you're in. He's like... Tough. So now I never mention the guy's name. Any film that I'm publicising that he happens to be in, I'll still mention the film and I'll help publicise it, but I always omit his name. Uh, like, uh, is he doing idiot. less and less films or is he still doing well? He's doing okay. Yeah. He's not up to the level of cliffhanger. But they've declared martial law, downloading memories with big brain suckers. Robots are changing protocols. Scourge has been planning our genocide. We have maybe less than a month. Scourge. A weapon that can fry AI on a planetary scale. You're staying here. A clever girl would steal one of Ralston's shuttles. Watch where you're going. Traffic pick. No, very bad. Yeah, she didn't plan this very well. You two fly back. I have a weapon to find. Okay, there you go. All right. So we're back. So we're back, yes, with a new new microphone. <laughs> new microphone. And I need to get a new microphone. Apparently yeah. that's why the sound levels are different. It just dies. <laughs> it just dies. It happens. I remember when I lived down south near Northampton and I had, the internet was shocking and I would end up with about 18 to 20 segments of an episode enough to edit those together because oh, Skype yeah. would just crap out. So, so yeah, you, you lived south, you say down south in Northampton. Northampton, which was about 45 minutes from London. Oh, so the weird thing is Annette and I used to live up here where we still live now back again I own my own house we wanted to move nearer to London because at that time people were saying oh come to this screen and come to this event and it's quite expensive to go from up here down to London on the train get a hotel stay over come back up so it's like can't afford to do that all the time plus there's the time so we thought you know what if we live nearer to london we could do more of these things and we could just we, i could put i could be running a studio within three months that's how easy it's going to be so i sold my house 
and we moved down to Northampton, which was just outside London, and we did a load of the screenings and stuff, but then neither, neither of us were working. So it's like, well, we can't really afford to live down there much, so we came back up. So it's been a weird couple of years, but, but it was fun. This is a nice place to live. This is, no, it this is nice. It, now, so we're, we're in Manchester. Yeah. Oh, in the Manchester district, shall we say, but it's it's not Yorkshire, is it? No, it's Lancashire. Lancashire, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So we, I've crossed the border. You see, you're, I, I, you're I, from Lancashire at the minute. All right, that's where you're staying at the minute. I think you're. No, I'm in in, in Morley, uh, yeah. near Leeds. Right. So I, think actually, that, I think that's Yorkshire, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's definitely Yorkshire. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. They talk different there. They do. They have a. It's funny. You drive one hour and you have a whole different yeah. accent and different culture. Twenty minutes. You get. You go to Manchester. You know, everybody. Oh really? Thanks very much. What are you talking about? You know that sort of yeah. thing. And then you go over to Liverpool. Like, Harry, you up? What's going on? Calm down. So it's yeah. within twenty twenty five minutes. You'll get a massive mm. accent difference, which I still find is weird. It is it's very only weird. Like twenty minutes, and the accents are so different. See, it's like in Australia, you can drive for twenty hours and you'll get the same accent. <laughs> Here, forget it. You'll get different accents yes. in different towns. Yes. So different flavors. Yeah, very, yeah. very different. But then people struggle trying to understand some of the accents. Yes. And that's not very good at understanding very broad Scottish accents. She's okay with mine and Ewan McGregor's and stuff, but if you put like a Robert Carlyle at a train spot, you know, whatever, oh, I forget know. it. She's like, I don't I, even know what he's saying. I used to work with this Scottish guy in the t- television station, um, and he was the editor. Mm-hmm. And. I found it hard to understand him. And, you know, yet, yet he's, you know, we were from about the same part of the world. It was difficult. Mm. Um, but I, I find the Scottish accent very, um, very interesting to listen yeah. to. It, it's, it's very musical and it's very warming for some reason, you know, which is strange because, as I said, you know, I, I'm walking around Morley and they're all speaking a bit like this and that. And it's like, I, can't, I, I have to tune into what they're saying. And I mean, my family's from, from Morley in England. So, uh, it's just kind of weird, you know, so it's, I don't know. We've all had to learn different accents. I, I have, apparently I have three accents. I have a British accent, believe it or not. I am mm-hmm. British. Um, I have an Australian accent and have an American accent. I think to me, your strongest accent is your Australian. G'day. How yeah. you going? Exactly. But you see, I don't speak like this all the time. Because that confused me when, certainly years ago, when Brooke said, oh, no, this British filmmaker called Neil off. You know, introduce the Perry and stuff, and then we met in San Diego, and it's like, whoa, Australian. So it's it for me, like the British, American, and Australian. Not quite sure which country you're from. You lived in the malls. So yeah, I, I don't know where I belong. Yeah. No way, that, that incredible Hulk just walking the Hulk. with the backpack. You know, David Banner walking. Oh the end yeah, of yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah, I know. It was like that, the littlest hobo, and I thought, yeah, well, let's the, just go for the Hulk with, part. with the piano music. Bing, 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 bing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that always always got me a very uh, emotional. Mm. You know. The Hulk was a strange show. It was a strange show. Yeah. Very different from the Marvel Hulk. I think. Yeah, I don't think they could pull it off. No, I don't think they would. Whole yeah. movie with him just walking around helping townsfolk. That's a good thing for them to do, though. It would work. Yeah, you I'd know. watch it. It's like Planet of the Apes. Okay, now where I <laughs> which one? Where now? I was living in Malibu. Okay. Um, oh, we, um, they shot behind. You know where I used to live or have lived or may still live again <laughs> yeah. soon um, was uh, where they shot MASH 
Wow. So you can actually walk on the mash set. That's and, amazing. And you can see all the, the, you know, they've still got everything set up. It's bizarre. My friend Bob is now currently very jealous because he loves mash. Well, you can yeah. walk on the set That's and amazing. you can see all the things. And like I, I watched the film Mash mm. uh, because one of our actors in the Time War is uh, his, his father is Elliot Gould. Nice. Um, and so I wanted to watch Elliot Gould in action, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 you know, I was watching the film and. <clears throat> You know, it's like, oh, hang on. Hey, that's the mountain behind my house. You know, all the all the it, the whole film, the whole of MASH is pretty much shot. I mean, pretty much. Well, the series, it's all shot within 10 minutes of where I used to live. And also Planet of the Apes. So when you watch Planet of the Apes, the TV series, yeah. and uh, Battle for the Planet of the Apes, the greatest Planet of the Apes in my opinion. Uh-huh. No, it's not. Yeah. It's no. not. <laughs> the first one. you got to go with uh, the first I like one. number two. <clears throat> uh, one and two for me. They're They're... they're you know, they're a nice pair. Mm. Um, but I love two for some reason. I'm just, you know, I'm crazy. But when I was, you know, I, I walk around and I say, hang on, that's, that's the mash mountain where the helicopters fly past and there's this and there's that. And, and, uh, and, and I was watching Westworld. Yeah. Which you haven't watched the end of yet. No, I, I bailed out on episode five. Keep going. So I will. I'll start again probably and just yeah. binge. But I, 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 and it's like, hang on. That's around the corner from, and I realized why you know because you keep seeing these signs up. Okay, when you're in Malibu, okay, or anyone in Hollywood, or you, you see these yellow signs with these weird code words on. Like yeah. the latest one I kept seeing was abominable. Yeah, and I thought, wow, are they doing an abominable film movie? Yeah, abominable snowman movie or whatever it was. And these weird keywords everywhere, and that's so the crew know where to go and to park. Hmm. And I kept seeing these signs for stuff uh, about a year ago, so or six months ago. So I figured. Something serious is going down. They're doing a cowboy type thing because it's all around the, the movie ranch stuff and everything. And it's all around those places that looks like, you know, cowboy stuff. So I figured they're doing a cowboy something around the, the region. So I'm watching Westworld. So, oh, that's what they were doing. Yeah. You know, and, and it's, it's, half, it's, either, it's either in, um, um, you know, what's the rocks in, in Star Trek? Those famous rocks. Uh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, Utah somewhere, isn't it? No, no, no. no it's Thingy um, Valley, Monument Valley. No, 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 no. no it, well, but basically, I feel, I feel miserable in my American geography. Yeah, but anyway, anyway, no, they're, they're <laughs> yeah. filming it sometimes in Utah, and then they cut to California, and it right. looks completely different, and you can kind of tell. And then they cut to Blue Cloud Movie Ranch, which we shot Alien Armageddon on as well. So I'm recognizing all these locations that I've shot in that they're using in Westworld, and nice. uh, it's kind of like, like we, do you look at it and go, "Yeah, I was there first. Ha ha. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Would but you see, I, I, you know, wherever I was, Planet of the Apes was there before me, or Star Wars, you know. Yeah. So it's 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 one of those things you nobody can win. No. But it's it's kind of weird, you know, when you see the locations, and it's it's. I mean, okay, now we're going to talk about money and films. Okay, you know, my mm-hmm. films cost a certain amount of money, but West Westworld the series cost what do you say? Twelve million per episode. One hundred twenty million, wasn't it? And it's ten episodes, so it's pretty much twelve million dollars per what episode. What the hell did they spend the money Maybe on? Maybe Anthony Hopkins. I don't know. Yeah, Ed Harris. I, yeah. I would. Ed Harris is I worth would, paying quite a, a premium for. He's a good actor. Yeah, but, but per uh, but saying no. per episode, half a million an episode, mm. a quarter of a million. I mean, I don't know what they're worth. You know, well, if you think you look at the Big Bang Theory. Uh, which is a totally different show to Westworld, but each of those is on like six hundred grand per episode, if not more. Yeah. So you think Westworld, Hopkins, and Ed Harris must be on a they reasonable on amount. Some, yeah, there must be. So that's a chunk of it. But you see, the, I, I'm watching the production, and I'm thinking, God, how how difficult is this production? Because they seriously, I'm watching it all the time. I know every location. They go from Utah, 
and then they cut to a little bit in Blue Cloud Movie Ranch in uh, Santa Clarita. Mm. Then they cut to Malibu or the back of the mountains, the Malibu Mountains. And they cut back to Utah. And then they cut back to a, a, a you know a, a studio set. I mean, they're all over the place, and it must be such a logistical nightmare for yeah, them to do. Be. You know, and it, it's back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So you know, I, I, it's uh, it's a great show. I don't know where the money's going though. Really, it doesn't look like twelve million bucks an episode. You know, no, it's, it's spend, like spend it on lighting. Yeah, there's a lot of lighting. There's a lot of lighting. Yeah. So the, the lighting guy is probably on quite a lot of money. Yeah, but it's quite good. Well, you watch Game of Thrones. I yeah. mean, it looks like as it's better than most movies made now. Yeah, it is. Oh, low budget. Sorry, it's better than most independent movies. You can, and this is this is what's killing independent film. TV, um, television, yeah. and <clears throat> it's not a bad thing because it, it forces you to up up your game. You know, I um, my uh, you know I, I'm always told you got to have more visual effects in your in your films. It's, it's constantly I've been told this, hmm. and once I rebelled and didn't do so many, and the film didn't sell as well. However, it was my one of my most popular, more liked films. But that's the problem. You you, you want to make some money. You've got to put all these massive visual effects in the movies and stuff, and uh, um, you know it, it's it's a it's a horrible horrible thing to be forced to do. You know, it's not like you know. I understand. You know, people do the big budget films, and oh, the studios were coming. The, the, the studio heads were coming down upon us, and the, all the executives were doing this and that. It's nothing compared to the low budget world, where it's like you'll just get a comment. You need to have more visual effects, more explosions. That's it. You've got to find the money to do it. Yeah. You've got to find the time and the, the effort to do it. And it's a little comment like that can cost you personally a lot of money. And then you make the film and sell it, and then it goes out there, and it's, um, uh, you know, it's people talk about, oh, the visual effects are terrible. Or, well, that's what annoys me. It's, it, I think what is damaging the film world, from my own view, is the audience, I think. And these. I don't even know what you call them, but generally film critics or film reviewers, there's a lot of them who will put a film on that they've not necessarily paid for. They'll watch it. It'll take them 100 minutes, and then they will spend hours and hours going, didn't like the visual effects. Didn't yeah. like this. Didn't like that. It's like, Jesus, they don't realise how much work goes into stuff, they've, and they don't cut any slack. Okay, well, here's, my latest, here's my latest beef. This week this happened, okay, because we have all these... Journalist wanting to see the film, uh, Rogue Warrior, which is my latest film, yourself included. I you know, really like it. And yeah, you got to see it. Hell yeah. And we, we sent you a screen, and you know, it was all very high security and stuff. Mm. But here's the thing. <laughs> what what these, some of these reviewers and journalists don't realize, or they should if they're smart, they're clearly not, some of them, uh, is we can see how, when they've watched it, how long they watched it for, when they stopped it, when they went to take a bathroom break, um, and, you know, how basically how they watch the movie. Yeah. So, you know, which is fine. We all, you know, most of the, you, the real reviewers watch the film. Mm. So we had this one guy. Um, I don't, I don't know if I want to name them, but oh, don't give them airtime. No, terrible. I'm not. No, well, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they're small time. Believe me. Just call him Dave. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, it's, it's a movie, something, um, website, you know, yeah. review site and everything else. And they, they tweet a lot and do a lot of stuff, but, um, they watch 16 minutes of the film in total and they just skip through Mm. and then they wrote a review and it was like, you know, 
it was like they didn't get it, huh? And we were confused why why they would write such a review, you know? And and it was like um, the biggest beef they had was the budget. And it's like, why are you complaining about the yeah. budget? You know, because it's it's not about you know how much money you put into it. It's it's the effort you put behind the money and. and we can't help our budgets, you know. No, it's like if yeah, you know, somebody's complaining about your budget. Do they think that you've got fifty million pounds in your in your cupboard at home, and you go, "I'll just take a little bit of that and I'll make a film. I don't need that other money." I wish. No, keep that. I forget it. I'm, I want to do this low budget. Well, I don't need fifty million. I'll do it for this. The, do they? Uh, no, they, they, they do think this. They really do. <laughs> they crazy. must because you know. Here's the thing. You know, it's it's every cent I, I make goes back in the films. Yeah, and you know, there's been points where I've had no money, I've had to steal food to survive. So when I see somebody complaining about the budget, and yet this is the same person who probably download the movie for free and and you know download yeah. a million films and take money out of your pocket, you know, it, it shocks me. So we, we call them on and say, look, you've reviewed the f- the film, but you, you here's our proof. Look, here's the stats. You watch 16 minutes of this movie. How dare you review our film and give us a scathing review and only watch 16 minutes of the film? And they say, oh, no, we're so sorry. No, it's just somebody we employed who, who blah, 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 did this. And it's, you know. It's like, yeah, why? Well, yeah, it's, it's like, guys, just grow up. It's like know? I have the new Kate Bush album over there, which is three CDs. It would be like me listening to the first track and then writing a review about the entire album going, oh, I wasn't a fan. Yeah. Didn't like the album. I listen to the first track. You can't. No. So, and the critics drive me up the wall. Oh, I'm, I'm, you know, and it's funny when you meet them face to face. They they change their tune when you oh, call really? them on their they they're cowards you know mm-hmm. um, I've I've had them slash me in the press so badly they meet me face to face and they backstep so badly and it's like dude you don't know what you're talking about and they really don't mm-hmm. you know to be a critic what, what what do you have to do you have to um, is there a course <laughs> no no exactly there's no. nothing it's no effort it's it and it's easier to pull down than to build up yeah. it's easier to do that but I I don't see the point of their their opinions as being anything valid you know it's 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 except oh what do i want to watch tonight i listen to your podcast and it's like hey you say oh this is good this is cool this is interesting mm. and if it's good you talk about it if it's not good you don't talk about it. yeah that's because i've had people accuse me they say oh you just like everything i'm like no i don't like everything but if yeah. i don't like it i don't talk about it exactly i'll never say i liked a film if i didn't yeah but i won't go well i'm gonna spend an hour of my life and an hour of your life because you're listening just telling you how I didn't like this film because just because I didn't like it doesn't mean that you won't like it so exactly. it's, what's the point in me spending an hour talking about stuff that I didn't enjoy yeah well, Cr- it's, critics infuriate me yeah and I mean it's as I said when you meet them face to face they back down and it's like well okay guys you know don't don't I don't need your opinions uh, I don't need you to tell me how to make the film or anything else because as I said in the case of Starship as we were saying mm. um you know, I, I, not that it's an excuse, but I was under so much duress and I was forced to release the film um, quicker than I, I needed to. You know, yeah. I mean, number two, I mean, it's funny. I look at an interview I did with Starship Rising. I was so fat. I was really fat. And I was like, what the hell happened? <laughs> and I've lost the weight since. Yeah. But it was, I was working 18 to 20 hours a day, seven days a week, nonstop. You know, with many computers running, just trying to get the thing done, you know, while working with the editor, you know, trying to get stuff done. And I mean, you know, it's so un- it's so sad to see the, you know, the, the, the criticisms that come through because it's like, you know, once you know the effort and somebody put into it. Yeah, I, I get it. If, if somebody doesn't care, but you can watch the film and say, at least he cared. Yeah. At least he gave it, gave a damn. Um, and it's just one of those things. So, I mean, you know, let's go back in my history a bit. Okay. Um, I did... 
uh, Humanity's End. Wait, have you seen that one? You haven't seen Humanity's... Okay, I've got to get no. your... Screen. The only ones I've seen of yours are Rogue and Starships. Oh, okay. I think you'll like Humanity's End. Mm-hmm. Um, it was 2005, 2006. Back when... Just before the big crash. Big yeah. financial crash. And it happened in the movies really heavily. It was a big, big crash here. And... Um, uh, it was my, I want to say a love letter to Star Wars, but it was a, you know, I wanted to do a real science fiction film on spaceships and stuff and, you know, have a great, it's a good time film. It was, you know, it was, at the time, it was good for what it was, you know, it's really hard doing visual effects in 2006. It's much better now. <laughs> and uh, the film, okay. So, again, the distributor wanted to put it out and said, we need it by this day and I wanted to finish it. And it was supposed to be done quickly and it took, you know, a year and a half. And, uh, so they sent out the rough cut screeners. So they took the rough cut of the film, sent out those screeners. Mm. And so people started going, ooh, what's this? So the sound is terrible. So the rough cut. What nice. is this? Yeah. Uh, and I hadn't finished the film. And uh, around this time, all the demonoid and you know, download torrent things were happening really big. So that film became the number one most downloaded movie in the world for three weeks running. Um, you know, so that was interesting. But of course, it was all based upon the, uh, the 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 rough cut, and so all these idiots, and you know, I took it. I I launched after a couple of these people. There's like guys in Sweden oh, reviewing the film. It's like, dude, how did you watch the film? It's yeah, not how out. Did, how did you get it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it's like you're in Sweden. The film's not released there, and you know, blah blah. blah. And it's like you know, they they they'll pull their reviews back in all of a sudden. And I mean, you go after these people really quickly. You hear them on the, on podcasts now and again, and they'll say, oh, I watched, and what's just come out of the cinema? They'll say Sully, which has just come out over right. here. They'll go, oh, I watched Sully at the weekend. And you go, fair enough. And they'll go, yeah, I didn't like, I switched it off. How did you manage to switch it off then? Yeah. It's a cinema film. When you hear them now and again, you're like, you dick. Yeah, exactly. And they're, they're you know, they're, they're, you could sue them. Yeah. It's, I mean, technically, but of course, you know, they don't, they don't think that. I don't think that. We all do it. Um, but anyway, so, so the film came out, and then, then finally I was like, then the, the distributor got annoyed. They just released it. Mm. And I was like, well, hang on. I just, I just need a few more weeks to finish it. Yeah. So it got released, and they did this horrible cover in the U.S. And then I finally delivered the final Masters, and then the, the German release came out as a Blu-ray and, and um, uh, U.K. release, Blu-ray and DVD, um, and all every other country. And so the reviews went from 1.2 out of 10 on IMDb up to about 4 out of 10. Yeah. Because people saw the real version. People saw the actual movie. Yeah, yeah. and it's like, you know, this is this is horrible mm. what you have to deal with. I mean, I, I, I dare I say I lost my house on the film. Yeah, it's paid its money back, took a few years. Uh, but, you know, it, it's it's when you realize that you've got everything on the line financially on, on this film mm. and people are stealing your film, I mean, you, you want to go out there and just break into the houses and steal the televisions because yeah. it's just as justified. You know, okay, this film cost me, you know, a quarter of a million dollars. Or whatever it costs, you know, half a million, whatever it was, I forget. But it cost me, you know, some money. Shouldn't I have a right to break in your house and steal one of your items that you are, you know, beholden to that you oh, love, yeah. so I can then sell it? And then tell everybody that you didn't like the TV that you stole from there. Yeah, exactly. I don't like it, crap. Exactly. So you know, it's 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 how the game goes. You know, and I mean, it's people look upon it, and I, I it's funny. When I see reviews of my film, people, Hollywood is now starting to do this. And they're like, I get called Hollywood. Well, I don't live in Hollywood. I no. did. But um, I get called Hollywood as though I'm part of the system. But there is no system. Mm. You know, it's, there is with the studios. But even then, they're, they're just they're made up of people who don't know what they're doing. Yeah. And they all make mistakes. And they all try their best. And, you know, it's, it's 
when you see a film that's made with heart, and that's what you were talking about, that film, Alistair, Alistair 19, 1980, yeah. I want to see it. Yeah. Because you, 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 you could tell it was made with love mm-hmm. and with the desire to, you know, to make the film. And I mean, you know, some of my films have, have a very, very strong um, passion behind them. And other films were made because, you know, you have to get something out the door quickly. And, you know, it, it's just how it is. And it's, if you don't do this movie now and this, this time budget... You can't pay your rent. You can't eat. Mm. And that's like, okay, well, I better put this one out and I better put that out. And, um, you know, actually, we were talking before, okay, um, we we're talking about uh, the Star Wars films, you know, and the criticisms yeah. that were just thrown at, at Star Wars episode one, two, and three to a lesser extent. Mm. I mean, they are still lumped on. It's still, yeah. certainly until Force Awakens came out, it was like, do you prefer the original trilogy or the prequels? The prequels were all lumped in, and generally people see, don't like the prequels. Which... But, but then they all be love Force Awakens. It's great. It's amazing. And so, now yeah. there's all people criticizing Force Awakens. Oh, it's just a remake of episode four. It's mm. like, yeah, that's kind of the point to a certain extent. Yeah, it's three repeating itself. What, 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 well, you know, but what, what was he supposed to do? It does make me laugh that I feel, felt really sorry for George Lucas. Yeah. Because for years we were like, oh, we want more Star Wars. We want more Star Wars. So he puts his hand in his pocket and he makes episode one, two, and three. And they go, yeah, we don't want those ones. We want, we want better Star Wars. $300 like, million dollar <laughs> exactly. hand in his pocket. He's like, Here, I've, I've put my hand in my pocket and I've paid for the thing you want. Do you like it? And they go, no, do me another one. It's like, yeah. no, stop. Just. Well, and it's, it, you know, I, I mean, you know, I, I, okay, episode one, I was like, we all went, holy. Holy crap! It's episode one, and it's I new Star Wars. I still like it. Yeah, I thought it was good. I mean, you know that the young kid thing didn't no. resonate with me, and the Jar Jar didn't resonate. But it's okay. It didn't ruin the film for me. I'm just like, no. well, those two characters not fun. Yeah. However, but the other bits, yeah, were McGregor, wonderful. Liam Neeson, fun. Darth Maul, maybe a little bit more Darth Maul would have been cooler, but he was still kind of cool. See, I never liked Darth Maul much. Didn't like him. No, it, it just seemed oh, he's so cool and edgy, but you know, he's got horns and he's red, but. <laughs> You know, that, that's that's my small opinion. Yeah. Yet I still like the character, and mm. I love what they do with him. The Clone Wars, you know, and it's, it's great. They keep him going in the Clone. After he's been cut in half, he lived. He did. He's in like a wheelchair or something. Though. He's got robo legs, but right. you know, it, it's 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 good that they they you know just gave it that developed it in a nice way. But I'm, um, you know, it, it's it bemuses me that that you know you've got a whole bunch of young kids growing up right now who actually like the prequels yeah and they they're confused why um uh you know everyone's bashing them oh okay they're not that good well the prequels to the kids are like the original trilogy were to us yeah when we watched them and because i've spoke to a couple of people who prefer the prequels to the original ones because yeah they look better and then they're so much you know uh, hd and all this sort of stuff and you're like what yeah and i i get it you know i understand it i mean i'm the guy who who i every three or four days I would spend the money and go sit in the theater and watch Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Like when I was 13, just got into high school. I've just, all I've do, I've watched that movie 180 times. So nice. you know, that's what it does to your brain. I saw the black hole like three times in cinema. Cause it's kind of like star Wars. Yeah. So I'd run off to watch that one. Have you watched it lately? No, I bet it doesn't hold up very well. No, I mean, I, you know, I was very fond of it too. You know, old Bob yeah. and, you know, that big giant robot. Max. Thing. Yeah. Maximilian. Maximilian. Yes. Andy Perkins and you know, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's a pretty good cast, yeah. but yeah, it doesn't really. Oh, yeah, it was uh, Psycho in Space, wasn't it? It was Psycho in Space, oh, Ernest Borgnine, and so really good. 
Oh, I got an uh, August Borgnine story. I you got an August Borgnine story. I ran into him. Is he? Uh, if you say he's not as nice as he appears to be in screen, I'll be like, I'm really devastated. But he just looks like somebody who you'd want to be your granddad. Well, I, I was driving around the hills one day, and I was Hollywood Hills, and I was lost really bad. It was before GPS, and I pulled over, and I, I, I saw this old guy in, in the garden, and I said, "Excuse me, sir," um, and he just looked at me and ran away. So he thought oh. I was a, a fan or something, and I said, I'm just, "I'm just lost. I need to know where blah 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 is." And he stopped and turned around. He was very friendly, but it was funny because he just thought I was a crazy fan trying to take a photo of me because he's on the on the on the Hollywood like the tour thing. And I didn't know who he was. Uh, I mean, I did after. So, oh, that's Ernest. Holy crap! Is Ernest Borgnine? Yeah, but he was yeah. Airwolf. Wait, yeah, but <laughs> you know, you don't, don't think that you're going to run into Ernest Borgnine. Okay, here's a good story. Okay, this is a true story. Um, and uh, hang on, I've got to think of the guy's name. What's that cooking show you have in the UK? The Bake Off thing. No, the, the big one, the, the, that, that guy. Um, My, uh, Gordon Ramsay. Gordon Ramsay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So, okay, so <laughs> let's start this. Um, so they, there was a big landslide on the PCH and um, uh, in Malibu, which is the main highway. Mm-hmm. And so Tracy said, Tracy Birdsall, the actress in Rogue Warrior, said, oh, guess what? It's closed. We should go there and you know take photos and stuff. I said, oh, great. Okay, so... We, um, we ran up the PCH and it was closed off. It was very exciting and there was no one there. So I need a plate shot. So I was taking photos if I ever need them. And um, you were just fooling around. You know, it was literally walking up the middle of the, the highway, which you can never do. And it was very exciting. This was on a Sunday, I think it was, and nobody was around. All of a sudden, this guy pulls up on this bicycle. as a real fancy bike and he was all very muscly and stuff. And, okay, he looks fit. And he says, he says oh, hello, yes, um... I was just wondering if you could take a photo of me. I said, sure. He handed me the phone and, you know, on his bike. And, said, and we're just chatting about stuff. And he says, <laughs> so, so I said, yeah. So I said, it's a fancy bike. I really like it. I, I saw something like that on Top Gear the other day. You probably know the show. He said, oh, yeah, it's Top Gear. I was on there twice. Said, oh, okay. Weird. Weird comment, but right, there's a game, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I nearly said, yeah, you know. But I, you know, I didn't want to push it. And I said, look, you know. <laughs> and, it's, it's, and he was just, just really friendly and shook my hand and said, it's very nice to meet you. My name's Gordon Ramsay. I thought, oh, what a nice guy. I know that. Did you know that name since uh, Gordon Ramsay? Were you like, ah, or well, were you... Yeah, I sort of knew the name. I'd sort of seen him on some, but it, 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 it didn't, I didn't recognize him. And then yeah. I was like, oh, hang on, that's, that's the guy who does the cooking show. And it's like, yeah. but he was such a nice guy. I know he's always angry at people. Yeah, but I think that's his character. He was such a nice him. guy and he was so friendly and unassuming and nice. And he posted the photo on Twitter. And I thought, oh, so I started following him. But it, it, that's the sort of stuff happens all the time. Mm. You know, you run into, as I told you, I can't mention the actor's name, but you just run into people all the time in the supermarket or something. And, and um, you know, obviously in Malibu, it's it's... You've got to be a little bit careful because, you know, sometimes there's a lot of recovering alcoholics and, you know, sometimes you shouldn't talk to them. And sometimes you can't be an enabler. They might ask you to go buy alcohol for them or something like that. I mean, um, you can't be seen drinking alcohol in front of them. And, uh, you know, I can tell you a couple of those famous actors, um, you know, you know, uh, the one we're talking about, um, you know, and it's just how it is. So you kind of have to. You kind of have to, you know, be very. It's kind of weird. You got to respect people in the in their in their native environment. I remember when when I mentioned when I lived near London, I'd gone down to this. Oops, sorry, I'd gone down to this screening in London, and I was sat in the the bar restaurant thing, and I was chatting to Dominic Burns, who's a filmmaker friend of mine, and 
over to the right of me, I saw Noel Clark, who's he's mainly a British thing, but he was in Star Trek Two, small role in that, and he's a big filmmaker, producer, writer, actor over here. And I'm like, holy crap, that's Noel Clark! And he's sitting, he was eating his dinner, but I thought he's eating his dinner, so I'm like, that's Noel Clark. That's really bizarre. I've got filmmaker here, Dominic there, Noel Clark over there. I really want to meet Noel Clark. I'm not going to interrupt him because he's eating his food and that's just not right. That's, that's the polite thing that's to do. That's the polite thing. So I finished his meal and he'd got up and he'd paid his bill and he was putting his jacket on, he was ready to go and I just thought, oh, I've got to do it, I've got to go up. So I walked and went, sorry to bother you and all. And he'd finished everything. And I'm like, big fan. And I told him who I was because of the Twitter name and he recognised it because I retweet a lot of his stuff. And I said, sorry to be a pain. Any chance of a quick photo? And he went, not problem. Really nice guy. Mm-hmm. And then I met him, at com- met him at Comic-Con earlier on this year and he remembered who I was again. So we had a good old chat. And it's you've got to, if you see him tucking in, see anybody tucking into the food, leave him alone. Yeah. Just don't, don't harass him. Because oh. even though it's really cool, you can see these famous people. They're, <laughs> they're not at work, are they? They don't, want to, they don't want the food going cold. But I'm sure a lot of people do it. They'll go, I'm sorry you're in the middle of your quiche. But can we just sit down and be best friends? Like, I got a funny story. Don't do it. <laughs> so I, I, don't, I don't know if I can name it, but you know, people know I work with these famous heavy metal bands, and it's the a certain very famous person, the head of the band, basically. We we were driving in Germany, and he had to he had to pee, you know, and it's in the middle of nowhere, and there's snow everywhere. So he said, you know, just pull over here, I got to pee, brother. So <laughs> he, he ran off to pee, you know, and um, um. We were doing a deal with the mayor of the town anyway, so he was in the next one. This other car pulls up and sort of recognized him walking off into the thing, and we, you know, security, and we sort of say, Oh, you know, who are you after? He said, Oh, I need to talk to blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, he was chasing him up the hill. He was just trying to pee in, you know, private, and he'd been chased. And, you know, it's, it's, it was the mayor of the town wanted, you know, he's the mayor, of the, he just didn't know. He got so excited, he was running after this guy and chasing and, and so he caught him when he was peeing. And he's like, hey, what, one minute, brother. <laughs> we filmed the whole thing. <laughs> and he stopped peeing. And, it's so good to see you. And then, you know, just shook his hand straight away. <laughs> he was like, oh, no. Didn't get to shake or anything. You know what I mean? It's yeah. kind of like, oh, geez. Um, so, <laughs> you, you, you know, you see these people all the time. And, uh, you know, I, I have so many friends who are famous. And, and I'm having dinner with them. And all the time you get interrupted and stuff. And, you know, if it's a comedian, they've, if it's a comedian person, they got a joke or it's a CD or something. And it's like... Just wait till they finish eating. You know, it's 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 difficult. I get it, but you know, people just get people to- get overexcited, don't they? <gasps> it's Robert Williams or whoever it is like. Yeah. Oh, I'm never gonna. That's never gonna happen to me again. Must take the opportunity now. He's like, no, don't ruin the opportunity. Yeah. Don't annoy the person that you're so happy to go and see. I've never been gaga over anyone. You know, as sort of start the start of the interview and thing, anyone who's famous. But I did get gaga when I, I met. Um, uh, uh, what's his well okay you remember Blake 7 yeah. TV series uh, the guy who played um, um, oh god see I'm having a brain see my thing. friend Bob wouldn't know the answer to this but the only one I know is Gareth somebody or other that played in that oh that was thing. Blake yeah, yeah that, was um, that was the, the, the see this is the thing I'm jet lagged right now I'm so out of it um, so I met the um, Avon Right, yeah, yeah. You know, the guy who played Avon. And I actually hired him to do a voiceover, but I was like, oh my God, it's Avon. And he was so cool. But mm. I just loved his voice. You know, it's one of those childhood things you have. Um, I, I've, I've never been Gargo except, except when I met him. And I even hired him and paid him 800 pounds to do some, nice. 500 pounds or whatever it was, to do a voiceover for the, for a film. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, uh, it was it was a really nice thing. And he was very gracious and nice, but you, know, you have to hold that that 
you have to hold it in. Yeah. You have to be professional and polite and everything else, you know, and it's, it's, it's just how it is. Um, that's what I do with all the Q and A panels and stuff and the interviews that I do internally. I'm like, holy shit. Paul Darrow. Can't show. Paul Darrow. Paul Darrow. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. So you, yeah, I hold it in and then afterwards I'm like, oh God, I just spoke to all those people. It's amazing. But you, you yeah, can't afford you, you to do to. it at the moment. Yeah. Stand on stage in front of a few hundred people and go, wow. Yeah. Oh, I know okay, how it is, but it's, you know, it's, but there's a point where it just, you know, they're just your friends and, and it's like the Christopher Lee. I, 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 I yeah, that's I, such a cool picture that I saw that you put, I think it's Twitter, Instagrams and when you, like you and Christopher Lee. Oh, oh I've got heaps of them. Amazing. I've got so many of them, but it, you know, it, it just, it's, it, see that started off with, um, this band called Rhapsody of Fire and, uh, we were doing, um, oh, they wanted him to do a voiceover. That's they, they, funny. They, they came to me and said, oh. We want to do. A, what do you think, Neil? We want because I'm Mr. Hollywood to them. You mm. know, um, we want to do a, a concept album of Lord of the Rings. And I said, Well, uh, you might you, you might hit the lawsuit thing. It's you may well. So we see another band, Blind Guardian, kind of did that already. Another a German band. They, mm. These guys are Italian. I said, Look, you guys, the way things are going with you right now, and you're getting more famous, probably not smart to do this. Um, so why don't you just do your own story? you know and, and they did you know so they did their own Lord of the Rings type of story but they wanted to hire Christopher Lee and I said mm, interesting mm. okay clever and they did and they um, hired him to do the voiceover and, and of course we got to do the music video and I got to work with him in London and uh, he kept saying to me yeah, it's funny because I'm British you know so I, I, said, I made sure he knew I was British and not Australian because you know he's just I was the only British person in the room. So, and it was good because then he was making jokes with me all the time and stuff. And he was always, you know, making, constantly pulling jokes with me and everyone else. And they were the Americans in the room go, Oh my God, don't, don't insult him. No, no, we're making jokes. We're taking Mm -hmm. the piss. It's okay. They didn't get the humor. Yeah. Um, And he kept, I said, did a take with him. He said, Oh, that was very good. Can we do another one? Really? No, no, this is what I said. I said, that was perfect. Let's do it again. He said, if it's perfect, why should I do it again? <laughs> and he's taking the piss. And then the, everybody's like cringing. Oh, but Lee, no, no, it's okay. I said, no, don't, don't worry. It's okay. It's okay. And then he says, you're just like Peter Jackson. You know, got to do more than one take. <laughs> Come on, he knows. He's done more movies than anyone else yeah, on the he planet. Is. He knows the, the reality. Yeah. But he kept saying, you're just like Peter Jackson. Because he could see everyone was getting like a bit funny about things. And then he was complimenting me all the time. But it, over complimenting me so but he, he ended up being a really nice guy and he would sit down and we'd just chat for hours on end and of course the guys in Rhapsody are Italian so their English is not very good so I could hold a conversation with him better than anyone because you know we were British and hmm. and uh, it was an easy thing he would just sit and talk and talk for hours and hours and hours and I mean for hours and it was wonderful so we ended up getting you know well, I say close but you know friendly um, you know still business relationship and stuff and then um, and we did another thing where, where he, uh, he, they, he, he kept saying to me, you know, I really want to sing. Do you think they'd let me sing on this? I said, I don't know. I said, can you sing? Is it? And I said, can you sing? Next minute he starts singing this opera. Whoa, la, 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 la. <laughs> I said, yeah, he can, sounds like he can sing, <laughs> you know? Um, so I said to Rhapsody, look, why don't you get him to sing? Well, somebody said it somewhere and next minute, do you think you'll sing on this next song? I said, yeah, let's do it. So, well, it wasn't my decision, of course, but um, they did a song called The Magic of the Wizard's Dream with Christopher Lee singing. And, and uh, um, yeah, you see, Mr. Lee, he, he'd sung a lot, but his, you know, his, 
you still got to correct a bit, you know, because when you're that age, you've only got one or two takes at it and that's it. So, um, so we spent the morning singing and then we, we scheduled to do a music video um, that afternoon or, you know, from, from 12 o'clock onwards, we had to do a music video. And uh, they were up there correcting, pitch correcting him a bit, you know, just so it's all, and timing him perfectly because we know he, he was not used to singing to a click track or anything. So we had to fix everything. So anyway, we, we had, um, he was getting a little frail. He couldn't stand up for more than an hour at a time. And this is 2005. And it, we were um, standing around and, uh, you know, just making jokes the whole time. But what, what we'd done, we decided we, we hired the, the German radio choir hall, which is in Cologne, Germany, or Kern, as they say in, Ger- in Germany. They say, it's not Cologne, it's Kern. Okay, so, okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> it's spelled Cologne. Yeah. <laughs> but it's fine. No, it's, don't disrespect the Germans there. They're good people, but um, they have no sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Very sort of blunt, aren't they? Oh, they yes. A lot of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which is fine. I, I actually like that more in some ways because, you know, you get to the point quickly, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but anyway, so, so we, we, ha- we basically hired an orchestra and a choir, um, you know, 50-piece orchestra and 12-person choir and in this giant hall. I had a big film crew there, set up lighting, everything else. Um, this is the early days of HD, so, you know, it's a very expensive cameras everywhere. Everything's set up, and he... Um, you know, he was waiting. Why is it taking so long? I've recorded it. Why can't we do it? I, said, I don't know. And I, I, what they were doing is pitch correcting and retiming him because if you don't get his t- timing right, then you know once he gets, comes to sing it in front of with the, the you know it, it, the timings will be out and it'll be a, a nightmare. So um, it's like we had the the choir and orchestra booked between twelve and three. So I, I basically had that time period to shoot the whole music video in. Right. And then so we're waiting and waiting. I'm sitting there having to entertain everybody in German, of course, you know, bad German. And, um, you know, just, just me and Christopher Lee, just, we just end up doing jokes the whole time. Yeah, which is fun. But he was sitting down. Did very on podcast with Christopher Lee. Oh, That's pretty cool. Been, he was, <laughs> but, he, you know, we're just hanging out and doing all that stuff. And, and uh, you know, you had visitors come in and nothing was happening. And we're all sitting around. As like 10 minutes to three. I said, look, can I please have an extent? I know I'm going to shoot this music video. And it's a, you know... Um, I've only got 10 minutes left to do it. Can you send the sound down now? They said, well, it's coming, it's coming. You know, so they're up mixing the sound while we're waiting to do the, the video. And then, because, you know, Mr. Lee is only a certain fee per day and that's it. He's not mm-hmm. cheap, you know. Um, three o'clock comes. I said, can I have an extention of half an hour, please? <laughs> so I can actually so, shoot a video. <laughs> yeah, because we have to yeah. pay the orchestra by the hour, you yeah. know. And I said, I'm very sorry and blah, blah, blah. And I said, 10 past three, it arrives. <laughs> I said, like, great, let's go. And we just ran. I mean, and I kept asking for it. I begged the, produ- the, you know, the record company producers, please have a little more time. Uh, three minutes, three hours and uh, 52 minutes after three, I, fi- I had to finish. Uh, that's it. Wow. Because they, they, they had to pack, they, they, the choir had to be out of there by four. So we shot the whole music video between 3.10 and 3.52, the whole thing. And I mean, just again, you know, I was yelling and screaming, blah, 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 blah. and we did it. Now that's not like Peter Jackson, is it? No, no. <laughs> but no, no, was. But that's that's how it was, you know. And I mean, the video turned out quite well. But the whole thing, oh, there's a couple of inserts we did, you know, separately. But yeah. pretty much the whole thing was. Um, remember, we had to get a drum shot. We ran out of time for the drum shot, so everyone left. And I said, "The drum." I said, "Don't move." <laughs> so just just hit the drums. And we didn't even have playback. So, you know, I did a quick drum shot as everyone's leaving, but and a couple of piano shots, and that was it. Um, 
and you know he, he was just such a nice guy mm. um i've got lots of photos of him and me together but i, I decided to try blonde in my hair for the on the first times and it, i was ridiculous i was overly blonde so when we go to the hairdresser, you say, "Oh, I want a blonde highlights," and they don't. They say they're Polish and they don't speak right. in English. Blonde. That's a bit of blonde. That's not quite what I meant. Oh my god. Anyway, so that happened, you know, and we see him again a few times. Um, then the last time I saw him was in uh, 2010. You know, because we kept seeing him all the time here and there. You know, TV appearances and stuff, and you know, we always. He always told me the same stories, but it was nice. And his wife is wonderful. And, you know, he had a, this, basically he had a daughter and the daughter's husband was his manager at this point, you know, cause he had his other manager lady who, you know, I don't know, something bad happened with her financially. So he wasn't doing so good financially. Mm. Um, and I, you know, it's not my business. I don't know what happened. So I really don't know. Um, but anyway, he'd done all these movies and he was, you know, not doing so good, um, financially. So, uh, you know, he was still doing stuff, obviously. And I mean, after after us, he did The Hobbit. Literally, yeah. no, I'm sorry, the week before, he did The Hobbit and then came to, to, to do us. Um, so Manowar had him do some, you know, voice voice recordings for their Battle Hymns re-recording album, which was cool. Because uh, originally it was Orson Welles who did the original voice on the Battle Hymns album. That's time, okay, we get Christopher Lee. And I just saw him and thought, oh my God, he's lost so much weight. He was very thin and frail. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, oh, it, it, let me backtrack a bit before this. So after he'd done all the stuff with you know Rhapsody and you know he decided he liked heavy metal, <laughs> and I swear he was like really into it. He's really into the heavy metal stuff, and he's you know he said he was trying to do a deal with you know Joey from Manowar and stuff you know to do an album, but he just uh, you know I don't, I don't financially I don't think it was worth its while. So it, some other people decided to do a heavy metal album with him, not us. And they did these horribly cheesy videos, which, you know, I, I dare not criticize, but um, it looked like they were trying to copy what, off what we had done, you know, with yeah. Rhapsody of Fire, you know, so we had Christopher Lee and, you know, and Shot in the Clone Church and this and that and all this stuff. So, you know, it, it looked like a little pale imitation of what we were doing, but, you know, God bless him. They made the man happy. Exactly. And he yeah. spent the last few years of his life recording heavy metal. Yeah, he did. Yeah, because you hear the stories and it's yeah. like, because for Lee, you're like, what? But we started this. But it's, yeah. This is how it started, you know? And it was just <laughs> one of those things. And I mean, you know, he's, he's, he just loved singing. He loved singing. And it was something he had never done. That's why we, we kept doing stuff with him. So we saw him in 2009 or 10, I think it was, Abbey Road Studios. And he was hmm, thinner. It's how nice of those studios. I got a tour around there a few years ago, and it's like... I've still got the piano in the Beatles room. Uh, yeah. It's amazing. But it's like, smaller wow. than you think, isn't it? It's a lot smaller. It's yeah. like, oh, yeah, it's, it's bigger with it, you know. Yeah. Anyway. yeah, it's not big. Yeah. But, but you know, so we were in there recording, and, and um, you know, the, the Pro Tools thing was setting up, and we are setting up preamps and stuff. And, the, and I kind of did a deal. Um, I mean, one thing he told me, and I mean, I don't mind saying this, because, you know, I've, I've been... the. Uh, Mr. Lee's manager has been a bit of a, you know, his, his son-in-law, I guess, was kind of been a bit, a bit of a dick to me, you know, after, after all, after the fact of things. Um, Mr. Lee said, oh, just don't tell, don't tell, don't tell my manager, manager, inverted commas, um, you know, just keep this between us. Don't negotiate with him. Don't talk to him about anything. Have nothing to do with him. Just let that be, you know, don't talk to him because he was I don't know it's not that he didn't like the guy it's just that I think you know business wise he, this guy wasn't you know um, 
he, he'd never really done managing before. You know, he was whatever he was. He was a nice guy, but he just wasn't the right person to be dealing with, you know, in this situation. So the deal was I, I gave Mr. Lee some, some cash um, as organized by, you know, a couple of other people. Mm. And uh, we'd give him the cash and he'd do a 20 minutes recording for me. Yeah. Some voiceover stuff, which he did. And uh, he read it said, this is more than one film, isn't it? I said, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> oh, maybe. <laughs> oh, it's okay. <laughs> it just, it just made, you know, and I've, I've got recordings of him doing it. I've, I even filmed it too, by the way. You know, so I've got yeah. the, the, the Pro Tool session. I've got the video of him recording it. So he did an audio recording for Alien Armageddon. And uh, he did for a recording for The Time War, the time mm. travel film. And he's done something else for me, too, just so you know. It's in the can. Yeah. Um, I have it all. And, you know, he was just, he said, have you got my money? I said, of course, yeah. Deal done, you know, private. And obviously, you know, that's between him and myself. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. I had him sign off a piece of paper, you know, the standard thing that we always have. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so he started his health was deteriorating more and more and you know then he passed away soon after that so anyway i'm sitting on these audio recordings so anyway alien armageddon which you know film that followed alien uh, humanity's end alien armageddon comes out and we said you know the voiceover by christopher lee and i get an email from his manager saying you know manager um uh while well, i understand you know he said why is christopher lee in this it's like well it's between him and me yeah. Um, but, you know, he kept pushing and I thought, he started trying to get Lee. He basically said to me, um, Mr. Lee is a little bit concerned by the fact that he's, you, you've put him in a film that has uh, uh, cannibalism and lesbianism. So he's not concerned at all. I said, have you seen Mr. Lee's past resume? <laughs> I don't think he's concerned with that. But he said, well, basically what it was, he was up for a, um, a BAFTA. Mm-hmm. You know, lifetime achievement, which he, he truly deserved, yeah. believe me. Yeah. Um, so I felt, you know, you really don't want to tarnish his name, but the film doesn't have, it's not a lesbian cannibal film. No. It's a science fiction film that, yes, somebody does get eaten. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, have Walking you, Dead, you know. So, yeah, come on. Yeah. It's not a lesbian movie. Winning awards, Life Right Center is Walking yeah, Dead, and exactly. nobody whinges about cannibalism in that one. No. But it's, it's, you know, so I, I, you know, respectfully said, okay, of course, I understand, you know, while he's alive and everything else, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to not, I'm going to take the high road. I could say, look, I, because this guy was like trying to get legal information out of me and stuff. And he was threatening me legally. And it's like, dude, I don't think you should be doing this. Because Mr. Lee always said, and we even, you know, asked him, asked him, he said, just ignore him. That's what Christopher Lee said, just ignore him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this guy's all running around in the press and stuff. And I mean, um, denouncing me. And it's like... Dude, you really shouldn't be doing this. I've got him signed off on these. Can I see the paperwork? So I thought, no. nah, nah, I'm done with you. I'm yeah, done. Legally, I'm going to sit on see it. that paperwork. Well, you know, yeah. I, I just it would just he would start picking holes in everything. And I mean, I'm not I'm not going to play those games, you know, because it's really the guy's not really a big player. He represents a big player, but he's not a big player. So I'm not going to play the game. And I don't want to go there. And give Mr. Lee some peace. Hmm. So I took Mr. Lee's name off the film, or Sir Christopher, because you know, he doesn't want to be called Sir Christopher, but he was, he was knighted. Took his name off the film in the credits because I didn't, did not have permission to use his name in the advertising of the film. And this is a fact. Yes, yeah, it's true. However, um, since then he passed away. And I was very, very 
saddened by this and upset because I mean you know this guy's a great man a legend I mean you've met him but oh. for, for people who haven't met him it's still Christopher Lee I, I, I knew when I saw him it was going to be the last time I saw him I could just tell you just see somebody whittling away and it was he was so sweet to me you know it was always these private moments we'd have and it's always private moments you know just say a little comment or something and a little smile or giggle or you know he'd just look at the the Americans in the room, he was like, oh, the Americans. <laughs> you know, in a funny way. But he was always so funny about it and sweet about it. And, you know, I, I... So anyway, you know, cut a long story short, now I've got a movie coming up called The Time War, mm-hmm. um, which uh, I guess uh, I have his voiceover recording in, in the film. And I'm proud of it. Yes. You know, yeah, and, 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 you know, some people are running around saying, well, we've got... You know, there's a couple of contenders for Christopher Lee's last movie, yeah. you know, and it's all voiceover thing because he couldn't really physically move around. I mean, you know, you see him in The Hobbit, and I mean, I'm amazed they got him standing as long as they did. I mean, even in um, Star Wars Episode Two, there were the stories about how it was a, it was a double use for a lot of the time. Yeah, it was very free, and that was back then. That'd be what 2002, two, yeah, something like that. So yeah, no, I, I don't blame them. You know, mm. um, it's just how he is. But you you got to love this voice. It's gold yeah. when he opens his voice. You know, I am become death, <laughs> the destroyer of worlds. <laughs> That's how he read it. You know, it's like I wouldn't have read it that way, but I, when he reads it, it's just like wow. Like, yeah, let's do it that way. That way, yeah, I just I, done it. I, did, I said, "Could you do it twice?" Maybe <laughs> it's perfect the first time. <laughs> I know, he nearly he just looked at me. We've had you. this conversation before. Yes, <laughs> but he was okay with it. You know, he just he was like, yeah, he just knew I needed. You know, and he, he was fine with it, and he was more than happy to do it because he a, he, ne- he actually needed the cash. Which is really sad, isn't it? You think somebody... Yeah. And I was know. like, he was just thankful. And he was like, have you got my money? And he was just happy to do it. 20 minutes of his time, you know, whatever it was. Um, but, you know, and I know I'm going to get slammed, but I'm sure this guy will come after me at some point in the press. But it's like, just, you know, just let it let it sit, you know. I, 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 I it's... There's more important things in life to worry about. You know, I know the man, I know I'm going to get attacked, you know, because I've got his voice, but I have his voice recording. I already noticed that, oh, no, that, you know, he already started making comments on IMDb. It's like, dude, just don't, don't do it because we'll make you look like a douchebag if you do this. Mm-hmm. So don't, don't go there. Um, but, you know, when it comes up, I have his video recording of him doing it. I have the paperwork. audio recording. I have the signed contract yeah. and the paperwork. And, I, you know, I'm... And it's not like you've taken a speech of Christopher Lee and you've re-edited it and made it totally out of context and no. you've got Christopher Lee saying things that he shouldn't really be saying. It's, it's all his, there. Yeah, it's exactly. And it's all there. And, you know, I think it's a nice fitting film because it's a time, it's a film about Adolf Hitler traveling through time and rewriting history. And Mr. Lee did kill some Nazis. Hmm. So, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's got that sort of, you know, feel about it. And but also more than that, Christopher Lee enjoyed doing that for you. Which he is did. one of the main reasons to put it in there. It's like he enjoyed it. Why should you not? And I helped the guy out. Yeah, you know, exactly. at, a, at a point of his life where he should have been wealthy and, and comfortable. Mm. You know, it was just a sad that you know his life had been. He was a little bit strapped for cash, and it's you know it's it's it wasn't wasn't his fault. It was I know he'd been screwed by some people, mm. and uh, you know I don't know the details, but you know I, I feel for him, and I mean I you know if. Um, you know, you, you can't have such a great career and then and then have people around you mess you up. You know, you've got to show respect for people. And you know, he respected me. I respected him, and it was a it was equitable exchange. You had a good old laugh together as well. Yeah, and you know, but, but I honestly miss him. And I, you know, I'll, I'll talk about him till the till you know the cows come home because 
you know, he was a great person. His wife is a wonderful person. His daughter was lovely. His son-in-law was a nice guy. Hmm. Um, you know, just, they didn't know, I guess they didn't know the private deal we did, but that's, that's fine. You know, hmm. it's, it's nothing secret or evil or anything else. So, you know, that's a long podcast. That's is a very good one. People love Christopher Lee. You know, so yeah. 2016 has sucked for, certainly here in the UK, it tends to be, you wake up in the morning, you look at Twitter or whatever, and you're like, oh, another one's gone. Yeah. You know, we had Prince or whatever. 2016 seems to be more sucky than David Bowie. Normal. Yeah. yeah. A friend of mine, Iva Franks, who was in a couple of my films, uh, she passed away this year as well. Brain cancery stuff, you know, it's horrible. I mean, I looked. My father died, you know. You know, it's, it's, I'm surrounded by death. Yeah. You see, that's like an age, and not just specifically for yourself, but then, you know, for me, it's like Gene Wilder, and I just every morning I seem to get up and you're like, oh, another one. Oh. Do you think that's because the older you get, the more names you become familiar with, and therefore, in the goal? Or is it social media that's making it? it it's been particularly bad. I mean, it's not being good. Prince and them. David Bowie, you know, they're, they're, you know, it's just been a bad run. Mm. Um, it's how it is, you know. Mark Hamill will die one day. No, you know, he will. Harrison back. Ford is going to die. Will, uh, yeah. He'll come back as a force ghost. Yeah, Hamill. You know, so that's the thing, and that's, you know, it's it's trying to keep the memory alive. You know, mm. in some some sense, and I mean, if I die, I just hope that my daughter could take my films and. You know, do something with them in a hundred years. I might be lauded as someone reasonable, yeah. rather than a you know a, an apparent joke, which are, you know apparently I am. But it, it's okay. You know, I, I got compared to Yui Yui Bolt. Really? Yeah. See, like, people people do slag off Yui Bolt though, and they go, "Oh, his films are terrible." Was it, was, I wish I had his budget. Yeah, I wish I had his budget. But if you don't, and that's what annoys me about film critics as well is they'll watch a sequel to something that they didn't like the first one of. And then they won't like the second one either. Mm. It's like I know somebody who, uh, Stu Miller, doesn't like Bond films. Not a Bond, and he'll, he'll say it himself, right. he's like, I don't like James Bond films. Mm. So did you watch the new one? Yes. Did you like it? No. Why did you watch it then? Well, I have to. You don't have to watch any yeah. film. You don't, and the critics don't have to watch any film, but they no. just they seem to enjoy watching things and slagging them off. But I like your policy yeah, about if, if it's not, if you don't, you know, if, if, if you don't like it, don't talk about it. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's like the Oscar Wilde quote, you know, the only thing worse than being talked about is not, it's being, not talked being talked about. about yeah. yeah. So I mean, somebody asked me, it's like, I'm trying to think of a film I didn't like, like Rocky and Bullwinkle. That's, that was not oh, yeah. a fan of that. Robert De Niro's not his, his best hour. But if somebody said, do you like that film? I'll go, no, I don't like it. I won't go, right, welcome to the special episode about <laughs> Rocky and Bullwinkle. I'd talk for an hour about why I didn't like it. Yeah. It's because there's so many, I think even more so, I think there are too many films to a certain level, I think people have got too too much access to yeah. too many films. Because yeah. when you think, I want to watch something, where do you start? I know. Netflix, Amazon, DVDs, I, I, or whatever. Yeah. Oh my God. I got rid of a lot of my DVDs. Not the British ones, which I will keep, but a lot of the, the Hollywood ones. I had show, I had probably that many, which is about like 300 or so of regular ones, but I was never watching them. Yeah. So I just... I got rid of them, passed mm. them on to people and stuff because I want to be watching the TV one day and go, oh, the Born Identity, I haven't seen that for four years and I'll watch it and I'll enjoy it rather than have it sat on a shelf upstairs. Yeah. I've still kept the core films that I like. Right. Your tour over there. And like Scarface and E.T. and all that sort of stuff. But I just, there's too many films to watch nowadays, I think. I, I find myself, I hate to say this, I keep watching Force Awakens over and over again and Interstellar. I've not seen that yet. No, no, I haven't. I've dude, got it. I've got it over there, dude. It's over you, there. You've got it. I, I, it's, it's, it's over a, there. I, and it's just me. Maybe it's me because I'm a science fiction idiot. You mm. know, I'm a nut. 
for these things, but it's like a religion. I get all high watching the film. The first time, I was like, yeah, this is good. The second time, it's like, wow. And it's funny, even Prometheus, I get a bit funny when I, I watch it. Prometheus. I love it. People bash that film. Yeah, of course yeah, they do. Prometheus, well... They oh, bashed Alien when it came out, That's too. true. And they bashed Blade Runner. Yeah. That didn't do so good. No, it didn't. You know, so, I mean... Now uh, look at it. Yeah. It's a classic. Well, it's, I never was a big fan of Blade Runner as much as everyone else's. I like the film, but Interstellar, I have to keep watching. Mm. You know, and that's... that's it's like this, any Stanley Kubrick film, I've just got to watch at least once a year. Yeah. And it's maybe it's a religious thing, you know, for me, or it's a, an homage or something, um, uh, you know. But it's it's, uh, and I'm you know I meet people who've worked with Stanley Kubrick. It's like oh boy, you know, it's so exciting for me when you, you just you know they're they're one step away from my favorite director. I've been outside the Stanley Kubrick building on Pinewood. That's probably oh wow, I think the closest connection I've got to Stanley Kubrick. So yeah, that's pretty much a big white building. Nothing special, but it's just. The Stanley Kubrick building. But oh, that'd be cool. First time I saw Eyes Wide Shut, I hated it. So really? I thought in the States and the cinema, and I'm like, because there was a big myth of secrecy about yes. it. Nobody knows what it's about. And I watched it, and I'm like, that is the most boring thing I've ever seen. And then I watched it a couple of years after, I'm like, this film's amazing. It's really good. It's really clever. It's really I'm watching it. And it's, it's becoming, better. it's all coming true. Yeah. It's like all these secret societies. Yeah. He was saying a major statement. He's saying, this is real. Mm. This is exactly how it is. And he's right. You know, mm-hmm. those things start coming out. It's like, hmm, interesting. So you know, it's it's uh, there's something in that. You know, and it was such a such a slice on humanity. The interesting thing about Eyes Wide Shut is that it doesn't. Re- it's me- it's meant to be in, um, set in New York. Yeah, but it's filmed in London. But yeah. it's meant it, it, he he meant it to look cartoonistic almost. So it, right. anytime he sets a film in a real location, it's never really that location. He ends up contriving it to such a way that it just looks like. Um, like Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. It was meant to be uh, Vietnam, but it never really was. Mm. But it was such a, you know, it was always shot at sunset. And yeah. it was so interesting to watch. But it, it was just, it's poetic. You know, his, his, he, he could have shot it in New York if he wanted to. Mm. He chose not to. Because I was, a few years ago, I took an act on a, like a three-day tour in London. And I'd spent weeks finding film locations from really big films all around London yeah. and I'd, I'd rip the DVDs to my little uh, PSP at the time and then what I would do is take it to the actual location just like a street corner or whatever and go up press play and I'm like look this is where the train spotted this is the hotel that came out for the, the drug deal and you'll be like she's like holy crap we're actually no. there so we, I did that and one of those was Eyes Wide Shut and it was the scene when Tom Cruise is walking um, and it's at night and he thinks somebody's following me and it was weird because you look at it and you're like, I'm trying to find all these locations. And it's like, when Tom Cruise is on that side of the road, it's one place. And then when he looks over to the other side of the road, it's a totally different road, miles away. And you're like, yeah. why would you not just shoot on the same road? But that's, oh, Kubrick went down to that level. I get it. And we find so many film locations. Yeah. Uh, da Vinci Code and 28 Days Later. And even um, Children of the Damned, the church that they oh, wow. used. And we tracked them, Batman Begins, all, all that sort of stuff. All within London, all within maybe... 45 minutes walk of each other took around it's like 28 of them all together all these film locations it was such a cool you know, you know uh, I shot in front of Big Ben for one film really yeah, yeah. yeah. didn't get arrested nice Very you're lucky you're lucky a lot of people do yeah, just I don't let your tripod touch the floor exactly. is that the key isn't it it's no tripod that's yeah. the trick let me tell you yeah, I, know, yeah. I know that trick the moment you put a tripod down like exactly what <laughs> oh I, I nearly got arrested in front of the um, the White House for having a tripod wow Mm, no, you know. Oops. Yep. Nearly. So you didn't. It was after. It was after nine eleven. I think. Was it? Yeah, that's probably. Uh, I think security was a little bit up then. 
No, it's before. It's before, but they're still a bit funny, mm. you know. And they're actually very polite. This look, it just you know, it could look like a gun thing. We prefer you don't have a tripod. Go to the other side of the road. I did. Okay, yeah, you tend to listen. Yeah. It's not worth kicking. It just all came fast, out, of, out of nowhere. With <laughs> it's guns. not worth going. Actually, yeah, you can't tell me what to do. Yeah, it's not no, worth it. How it is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you are. Why are you enjoying the cold weather? You saying Malibu or San Diego? Is it? I'm freezing. <laughs> <laughs> it's rather freezing isn't it yeah but I, I love yeah. it I'm, we get up in the morning we're like oh my god yeah <laughs> you have to breathe and then snap it off oh it's you know it's pleasant I, I'm I'm I feel very much at home in England at the moment it's after because I'm here you know just as a wrap up because I know we're going to go in a sec mm-hmm. um, but I'm here to basically my father passed away uh, a few months ago and I've I've got to bury him in, in well do the final burial part in in uh, Morley in Yorkshire so you know, it's going to take a few, little while to organise, and um, that's what I got to do, you know. So, um, you know, it's when you get people out there in the world who are, you know, attacking you and abusing you and this and that constantly, and just remember that, you know, we're all human beings. You know, we, yeah, we've all lost someone. You know, it's 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 not worth the uh, the angst to to attack someone verbally online or anything, because I mean, you know, come on, we, we're just. We're humans. Don't hide behind a mm. computer. Let's let's be real people. And I mean, it's it's uh, you know it, it's 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 sad that you know you have to do these things and, and scrape up the money to find enough money to pay for the tombstone. You know, and it's like uh, you know, um, it, it, it's a tough world. And it's you know, it's uh, I, I'm I'm you know I'm having to to do some of the hardest things I've ever had to done, do in my life. And still make films and still make, you know, movies and everything else. So, you know, just, uh, just, just, when you, when you, when you think about downloading a movie or something, just think about, you know, there is a cost. There is a cost. There is, because movies aren't even, if movies cost 40 or $50 to buy on Blu-ray, I could probably understand why someone's like, well, I don't really have have that sort of money. But movies are not much more than a Starbucks coffee. Yeah, Exactly. So it's like skip a coffee, yeah. which will do you good anyway, because yeah. you're, you're cutting down, you're yeah. being a bit healthier. Cut out your buy lunch. Film. Buy a DVD or buy a Blu-ray or you know, buy mm. it on iTunes. You know? it's, it's, you know, think about the good people online. Plus you'll enjoy, the, the, the fact is, when I pay for a DVD, I enjoy it more than usually when I get screeners. Exactly. I get a lot of screeners through, and I love it, and it's great, because I, I'm introduced to a lot of films that I wouldn't normally yeah. see. But I still enjoy it when I go into a shop and go, I'm going to pick that one. And I pay for it, and I bring it home, and I put it on. I enjoy it more, yeah, because I'd be more selective. Did you do that with Starship at all? Did you Starship? I purchased yeah, those. Oh, those were those ones. Yeah, see, yeah. yeah. I have to buy my own movies. That's yeah. You shouldn't have to buy your own movies. I know that's how it is. So I would let you have those, but I want to keep them because <laughs> no. they're really good. So Sorry. you can you can go I keep buy going your own to movies. Morrison's and Tesco. They're sold out. You know, so. it's good. That's me. Well, that's good. Yeah. So yeah, thank you very much, Neil Johnson. And uh, shout out to Tracy Birdsall, who's obviously not here, but has the host to get a shout out. Well, shout out to Neil Johnson. Yeah, do, we, do you get to do? Do you want to do a shout out to Neil Johnson? Oh yeah, I'd like to shout out. He's a he's a he's a nice man. Cool. Um, in Malibu, sitting there editing uh, the Time War, you know. And then what? Good what, luck to you, sir. <laughs> one thing I've always forgotten to do with a lot of the other filmmakers is if you listen to the theme song of the podcast, it's people saying, "Hi, I'm so and so." directed so and so and I put them all in and the amount of times I've forgotten to get one of those so at the end just just do one for yourself and I'll put you in the theme music so hi I'm Neil Johnson right director of and then just, just wing it and I will put you in the theme song to be immortalised oh that's lovely 
Okay. That way you don't have to do any shout-outs. Exactly. I'll just yeah, keep yeah. doing it. I'll just cut and paste. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, you can just throw that in. Yeah, just the theme song. Okay. Well, I'll do that once we stop. Cool. Go for it now. And then I'll let it say Oh, okay. Um, let me get closer to the microphone. <laughs> what do I got to say? Just who you are and pick the film that you want to pin. Oh, what do I want to pick? So generally, like, Dominic Burns did one and he said, Hi, I'm Dominic Burns, writer-director of Allies. And then that gets clipped in. I've got a whole bunch of them. So okay. you're like a filmmaker Rogue centipede. Okay. I'm director Neil Johnson. I directed Rogue Warrior and The Time War, and I'm listening to Stuart Bannerman. That works. No, that's terrible. That's Let me terrible. do a better one. Let me do another one. Let if me do it. was perfect the first time, why are we doing another one? It wasn't perfect. <laughs> Hi, this is director Neil Johnson. I'm the director of Rogue Warrior, and I'm... Do you want, to, do you want me to do an endorsement? No. No? No? Okay. Because that would sound like you, you, uh, you paid me off. <laughs> you are paying me, aren't you? Yeah, that's true. Right, yeah. After, give okay. me my money, dude. Say about yes. <laughs> Where's my money? Where's my money? Yes, um, I'm direct. Uh, no, no. See, you, you'll be editing this, won't <laughs> Welcome you? Welcome to the outtake reel. <laughs> I'm director Neil Johnson, director of Starship Rising and The Time War and Rogue Warrior. See, that was too long. You need a high uh, fast. Do three if you are. Just keep alternating. No, no, no. Let me uh, just go through your whole filmography. Hi, I'm Neil Johnson. I There's fourteen of them. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of longer you get your own theme oh no I get it um, no no I was going to do it <laughs> I'm 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 directing you did the rogue rogue warrior I nearly said rogue one see you're I'm wearing now, the t-shirt now, of rogue now one. you know what I felt like until I'd get your I know. film title I can't wrong. say it no, it sounds like road warrior it does okay yeah. here we go I'm director Neil Johnson I directed road warrior road no you didn't do road that was George Miller George Miller did that one George Miller yeah, yeah like the guy did. He's the, a nice guy. I met George Miller You've once. Met him as well. What a sweet guy he is. Is Michael Ironside really nice as well? Yeah, he is. Good. Although but, my life is complete now. Yeah, and he, cool. you know. <laughs> um, hi, I'm. Uh, hi, I'm. No, you're not George Miller. You're okay, Neil Johnson. I'm George Miller. Yeah. I, I nearly said George Miller. What's you're wrong not with George me? Miller. Okay. George, you, though, you did not do Fury Road. You sure? Pretty sharp. It looks like Maybe Fury Road. It does. You saw the poster. The poster looks very Mad Maxy. Yes. Tracy's looking very Fury also. Yes. God bless her. Yeah. I'm director Neil Johnson. I direct... No, it's, it's two directors now. You see? I've got to correct myself. So it is. I'm Neil Johnson. I directed Rogue Warrior and The Time War. And I crucified Adolf Hitler. Nice. That works. See, that works. <laughs> <laughs> that, that whole idea. You want a second take on could that? Could be... We'll do another one if you wish. Okay. I'm director Neil Johnson. I directed... No, I can't. I'm Neil Johnson. I directed Rogue Warrior and The Time War, and I crucified Adolf Hitler. Brilliant. That's the take. Yes. There you go. Cool.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.